Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
acapellas, drum beats, and guitar riffs to the world wide web, from one countryside to the next. It's an international love affair, and new music is our gift to the free world. Our freedom of expression is only limited by our creativity, so we stand together, and because of it, our voices are unlimited. We represent every corner of the world as we broadcast our message to every country, state, city, and town. Our supporters have expressed tremendous gratitude for taking the high road and giving them free music again to the world. Oh, 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 oh,
Greetings and salutations and welcome back friends. Uh, I'm sorry for the long winded intro. I busted my other pair of headphones right before uh, coming live here. Uh, I gotta get a headphone stand. I've seen these things, they hang off of the side of the desk. I always put them on the floor and then I roll the chair and break them. Uh, but hey, uh, it's good to have spares. So tonight, uh, my friends, we will be talking about legendary aviator and conspiracy theorist John Lear, who passed away last week. Um, some of you know uh, that I largely disagree with uh, a great deal of Mr. Lear's conspiracy theorist theories, but I do uh, have a special place in my heart for him. I grew up listening to him uh, tell stories about his days with Bob Lazar, his days chasing uh, around Area 51 looking for those top secret flying saucers they were back engineering. John Lear has been a fixture in conspiracy land for decades, and with good reason. A lot of people do not realize, but before John Lear, most people didn't even know what Area 51 was or had ever heard of it. Some people credit Bob Lazar for popular, popularizing, pardon me, popularizing Area 51. However, it was certainly John Lear who came first. John Lear, George Knapp, before uh, striking gold uh, in the form of Bob Lazar, did several television interviews with John Lear first. And in those interviews, John Lear talked about a back engineering program inside, somewhere inside Area 51. And that they were attempting to back engineer these flying saucers, even mentioning that they had nine of them. And isn't it a bit of a coincidence that Bob Lazar would later become his friend and suddenly uh, Bob Lazar was working at the exact place that John Lear had described inside Area 51 and back engineering alien spacecraft. Um, I grew up with that story and it uh, seems like a great story. Years later, I would get a little more serious in my quest for whether uh, some of this stuff is true or not. And I uh, did some deep diving and uh, would come to no longer believe the story. But it doesn't change uh, the story's prominence in my history or my uh, sort of awakening process, maybe. Maybe there is value in misinformation and disinformation. Uh, who knows? These are philosophical questions best answered by a smarter man than me. So I thought we would begin our journey remembering John Lear uh, with one of his super early interviews with George Knapp. Uh, and this is was on Las Vegas television, after all. Uh, George Knapp, another interesting character in Conspiracy Land, covered all kinds of mob stories and true crime and all kinds of things in and around sort of the seedy side of Las Vegas. But eventually, George Knapp discovered UFOs and he saw the, he even said he saw the views that it got 
and and the ratings and he was like we got to get more stories about ufos and uh i both love him and respect him a little bit for that at least i respect his can you know his, his being so candid about like this ufos people really want to hear about it let's make more ufo shows uh and this is interesting we are going to i will find my fair use banner and we are going to uh, cite fair use because believe it or not these old interviews are still popular enough that they they will get copyright stricken on youtube and they are monetized uh people are critiquing uh we are critiquing the video that we are sharing we're educating the public this is certainly covered under fair use friends so this is uh one of the earliest interviews that i could still find on youtube unfortunately many of his interviews were I, I believe that he did a bunch of interviews with Kerry Cassidy, and I don't know that those are any longer available. If anybody has the Kerry Cassidy John Lear interviews, please do uh, email me at truthseekershow at gmail.com. Uh, let me know if you have any of those. Um, I, I, I'm still confused. Kerry Cassidy got thrown off of YouTube, then she was back. I, I don't know if she's still back or if she put all the old videos back. I believe that she moved everything from her, you know, back catalog to her paywall website, uh, become a member site. But I could be in error on that. So this video is called Aliens Are Here and They're Not Our Friends, John Lear Says, Part 1. And again, this is a George Knapp early interview of John Lear. Uh, let's get into it, friends one program so my guest again this week is ufo researcher former state senate candidate and uh, award-winning pilot john lear mr lear nice to have you here again always a pleasure to be here george um to begin with uh, we have this concept of the people from other planets as little green men um are they green from what you know uh are they all the same or we got different kinds of them george is at least 70 different species and probably more but yes, uh, as odd as it sounds, there are little green men. That's not the ones we usually see, though. We see the little gray ones. They're about uh, four and a half feet tall. We see the ones that uh, are called the Nordics. They're about seven feet tall, look like us, but they're invariably blonde hair and blue eyed. They're one of the species that we have on ice. Uh, one of their crashes we recovered. Obviously, with different species, they have different motives. I mean, are there... Are there good aliens and bad aliens, aliens what you know? I just wanted to interject. I have to do that every once in a while for fair use purposes as well as the purposes of our discussion. Uh, I was reviewing these early interviews earlier, and I was stricken by the amount of UFO mythology that uh, John Lear speaks about in, in these short interviews, uh, segments of them, really. Uh, this one's eight minutes long. But... I was stricken by the amount of UFO mythology, and I mean accepted UFO mythology, like things that people that believe in, in all of this stuff just accept. And, and here we have this description of different races, the Nordics, the gray aliens, the crashes, we've recovered some things. So, uh, you know, it reminded me that so many of these things go in cycles, right? This is 1987, thereabouts, and John Lear is saying this stuff. And, and here we're, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty far along in 2022, and people are still saying some of this stuff. Uh, but is repeating it, making it more accepted? It's just an interesting 
side note to me uh, that it, it, these accepted UFO mythology just becomes part of religion for some people. Oh, yeah, there's the Nordic. They look like us. Blonde hair and beautiful, but they look like us. And uh, then there's the greys and on and on. Bad aliens and all kinds of ways and reasons for interacting with us. And what are some of the reasons? Why, why would they be here? Uh, genetic experiments, uh, uh, trying to... Uh, there, you know, there's a misconception here. People think that uh, our space brothers would bring us uh, you know, good things and uh, teach us uh, how to get rid of all our diseases. And, uh, you know, if you, get to, if you stop and think about it, that may not be the best thing. Because if you uh, had a, had a uh, society without any disease and everybody starts living 150 years, that creates a lot of problems. So uh, they would not meddle in that in that way. You believe uh, in part that the movies uh, E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, were not entirely just uh, the creative products of some Hollywood director, that maybe there's more to that. Why don't you explain? They were carefully um, guided by representatives from MJ-12, who is this organization that is in charge of the cover-up, in order to get us ready for the release of the information that there are indeed aliens and wow so here we have a reference to what is now called predictive programming by some or the belief that somehow things like science fiction movies are real in some form or designed to get us ready for the coming revelations and again this is 1987 and people are using this same talking point today and um you know, I haven't done extensive deep diving, but I think that John Lear was one of the first people to develop and use that talking point in various interviews. And again, here we have, we're, we're you know, many years, decades after he was first saying it, and people are repeating that. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And uh, in both those movies, they used small little creatures and uh, in order to get us ready for this uh, release of information. Uh, to prepare us that the idea oh, one second i wanted to check in with the live chat because i forgot already so uh pardon me i want to remind everybody we're a viewer supported show and i saw a, a super chat we read every single super chat or recognize and thank it so thank you lee guy for a kind of generous 4.99 super chat longtime supporter of the show and huge fan of bacon thank you lee guy for your kindness generosity and support so there's a few ways you can support the show, uh, and uh, those are listed in the description of this video. Otherwise, I would like to announce that we've 
now got memberships. When you go to our main channel here on YouTube, you'll see a join button and you'll get some extra goodies for supporting the show. You get recognized in the live chat as being a supporter. Um, what else do we do? Priority replies to uh, the, the videos and more. All right, let's get back to this, friends. Yeah, the benevolent aliens from outer space yeah, uh, are going to help us out. Unfortunately, uh, they're not they're not so benevolent. So they made a, probably one of the most disastrous mistakes when uh, E.T. was uh, put out. At that time was before we uh, discovered what I call the double cross uh, or the grand deception. And uh, they were trying to get us used to the benevolent little creatures. And, uh, but that isn't the case. Uh, why don't you take a couple of minutes? Now, you've done a, as much research on, on UFOs as just about anyone, I'd imagine. And if you haven't done it, you know people who have. Where did it all start? And uh, how have we put this picture together of, of where they came from and why they're here? Well, the whole thing started in uh, July 2nd, 1947. That was the first crash. First uh, crash of an alien spaceship. Of an alien uh, spaceship. And this, of course, is he's referencing Roswell. Uh, but, you know, one of the other things that struck me about this interview is that you've got to give, I am too tough on George Knapp sometimes. I really am. Uh, and I like him, you know, and I like his voice, too. He's got a major, excellent radio voice, right? I don't even like some of the guests uh, when he was uh, hosting Coast to Coast that he had, but I would still listen. Anyway, uh, here, George Knapp, remember, this is like 1987, and listen to how seriously George Knapp is taking this subject matter. You know, uh, at the time, UFOs and aliens were just something that the media in general just scoffed at. It was a joke. You laughed about it. Oh, aliens may be here. Oh, you know, uh, and people who talked about aliens and UFOs were largely just seen as kooks. So I have to give George Knapp a little bit of credit, more so than I usually do, because even so far back, George Knapp was super serious in this interview and asking good questions. I got to give it to him for that. July 6th is when they recovered it and sent it to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. July 7th is when they held the press conference uh, and told the people it was a weather balloon, which the press bought hook, line, and sinker. Uh, September of that year, President Truman established MJ-12, and the purpose of that was to study the saucers and cover up the existence of, of UFOs. And you say we recovered alien bodies from that incident? Right? Four from that particular crash, yes. And what'd they do with them? They autopsied them. Uh, Dr. Detlef Bronk was the uh, chief uh, uh, surgeon, so to speak. He was the one that named them EBEs, and it stands for Extraterrestrial Biological Entities. Again, uh, listening to this stuff, I was stricken by how much uh, stuff John Lear was talking about in 1987 that is just accepted myth UFO mythology, uh, whether or not each of these things is true or not. It's just the, there's a general belief in these MJ-12 documents, in this MJ-12 group, in this crash retrieval at Roswell, bodies recovered. Um, so we get to see sort of a... Uh, deconstruction of maybe how some of these myths are built over time and through history. Um, I've often noticed that it seems that, you know, John Lear is a conspiracy land character called the godfather of conspiracy with good reason. But people would come after him and take these same or similar talking points and just add their bits to it. 
Uh, and this, my friends, may give us some insight into how the, the UFO mythology or mythos has grown over time. Uh, and uh, we captured three live EBEs. EB, they were uh, numbered in their order of capture, EBE-1, EBE-2, and EBE-3. Where did we capture? Where did this happen? Um, in, in different crashes. EBE-1 lived with an Air Force colonel between 1949 and 1952. Uh, he was, uh, the EBEs are kept in an electromagnetic facility called a YY-2. Uh, it was designed by a Dr. Eric Wang, who worked directly for Dr. Kissinger who has been in this cover-up since the very beginning. The reason they had to create an electromagnetic facility is the fact that the EBEs are so advanced, they're, they're at least a half a billion years advanced from us, and probably more, they can move by thought. Yeah, well, this is uh, also interesting to me is that John Lear was dropping names, and I have not fact-checked any of this, certainly. Uh, this is super old footage. I remember uh, hearing this stuff ages ago. And uh, also a point of interesting note is that when I was growing up, uh, the conspiracy land information was hard to come by and information about UFOs and aliens was kind of hard to come by. Pre-internet is when John Lear was running around saying a lot of this stuff. And so I remember there was FidoNet. This is pre-internet on bulletin board systems, but FidoNet would go all over the world and pick up packets of messages and information. And I would go on FidoNet trying to find John Lear, a transcript of like John Lear's latest interview or, or whatever. And uh, it's kind of sad to me. I was thinking about that today. I wish that I had all those files today, right? Like, some of that stuff is just going to be lost to history. Move by thought. thought. And they can also disappear. But they can't move by thought through electromagnetic facilities. So they built this facility. There was two, one in Los Alamos and one either at Edwards or up at the test site. A Groom Lake, Nevada. At Groom Lake. Now, there's still one EBE uh, still living, uh, EBE3. And there is a videotape that eventually is going to be released to the public. And it's an interview with him. As hard as that may uh, sound, uh, as hard as... That may uh, be to believe. <laughs> and interestingly, later would come the alien interview documentary, uh, which I believe depicted a puppet. But, you know, uh, it's interesting that he mentions here that there's still one alive and there's going to be a, a release of an interview with them. And a few years later, the producer of Teen Wolf, the movie Teen Wolf, of all people, somehow produces this documentary um which was not anywhere near as popular as the alien autopsy interview but still a worthy uh you know mention to that documentary and we covered that here and how it was faked videotape of an interview with eb3 what, what is this language that the, the, the interviewers are i haven't seen the tape so i don't know but uh on this trip i told you i took uh, gathering all this information a guy in albuquerque handed me 25 secret cia memos and if anything can be humorous in all of this one of these memos in the body of the text it said by the way ebe3 wants to see the ocean we better make the arrangements or he'll disappear again so while he couldn't get out of this facility he could make himself uh, disappear and uh, cause him a lot of trouble they now can they exist among us? Is that what you're saying, or do they have to have a special environment? They have a special environment, live? special air. It's my understanding they can only last about 20 minutes in this air. 
you were saying also these gray ones are the ones that we see most of the time. And you said that most of uh, that there are a lot of different motives for them being here. The gray ones. Uh, what kind of a deal we got going with them? Is that, uh, is that the bunch that you su suggest we've made a deal with for military technology? Well, I think we made a deal with them, and their ultimate uh, what they want to do is regenerate their own race now. And here, friends, listen carefully here, and remember again, this is 1987. I uh, was sort of, uh, I don't know, just amused by what he says next here, because I can remember probably five different people who came after him running with this part of one of his talking points. Apparently, they're either, they've either had some kind of nuclear accident, or they're on the backside of a evolutionary genetic curve, and they're going downhill instead of uphill. In other words, in the autopsies, of which I have two, we found out that their digestive system is atrophied. They don't, they can't eat through their mouth anymore. You know how they eat? Well, they, these cattle mutilations, they take the uh, hormones and the enzymes from those cattle and they spread it on their skin and their skin absorbs the nutrients and then excretes the waste back through their skin. And if you read uh, Whitley Strieber's book or listen to him talk, he talks about when he's seen them uh, doing this to their skin and they're, they're, they're scraping the waste off. Now, these cattle mutilations, there's been a film made about that, and perhaps in a couple of minutes we can take a look at, at some excerpts of that. So interesting. Uh, I can think of, let's see, Dan Burrish uh, repeated this talking point and said that's how the aliens eat, uh, and a few others, of course. Uh, but interesting, I'm always sort of amused when I find what I believe is the root of a particular part of the UFO mythology or mythos? Yeah, Strange Harvest was a, was a good one. But um, uh, another thing that happened here on March 4th, there was a documentary uh, released on uh, the best UFO photos that have been taken so far, including a minute and 38 seconds of videotape. Now, what happened is in November, this guy took these photos, took it into the TV station. They thought it was great, but nobody would believe it. So they spent three months... Um, checking the validity of the, uh, uh, checking the, uh, uh, authenticating the videotape and checking out the credibility of the witness. And when they had it all down, they put out this documentary, 30 minutes. I mean, it's ironclad. They're here. But do you think it got on the net? And I believe here he is referring to the Guardian tape, uh, which was proven later to be a complete and total hoax. Uh, but, you know, uh, again, he, he's uh, talking in general terms about what was happening then in 1987 in the world of UFOs. Network? No, it just showed locally in Pensacola. We have some of that, and perhaps when we come back, we can take a look at it. So stay with us for more of On the Record. <laughs> well, that's interesting. All right, so that's one part there of our journey. All right. And I have another of the original uh, John Lear interviews here. This this one, he's talking about cattle mutilations and beyond. And I believe it, this may be from the same interview, uh, but they've got them in clips. Again, we're going to cite fair use. This is a transformative work. We are informing the public, educating the public about legendary aviation pioneer John Lear the godfather of conspiracy land. Let's see part of a documentary 
John, perhaps you could introduce it. It deals with the 14,000 cattle mutilations that happened. That's right, and we were particularly prevalent around Colorado, New Mexico, uh, Arizona, and uh, Utah. And it was a documentary made by Linda Moulton Howe uh, for the CBS affiliate in Denver. And let's take a look at that now, a piece of it. Going to die each year from hard winters, disease, lightning strikes, predator attacks, and other natural causes. But in northeastern Colorado, another favorite spot for the mutilators. Tex Graves, former sheriff of Logan County, insists the 93 mutilated carcasses he investigated were not natural deaths. Now, the very first one we had was southwest of Sterling. When we first looked at it, it was just oh, unbelievable no. uh, that you could take an animal and do this too without uh, leaving some kind of track, some kind of evidence behind, such as uh, cigarette butts, matches, handprints. And this, of course, is from Linda Moulton Howe's documentary, uh, which was released uh, around that time. Footprints, but there was... Or earlier than this interview that we're listening to for John Lear, certainly. Nothing. Uh, the animal looked almost horrible, and it was something that uh, I didn't really want to believe then. And there was, uh, we probably had had five or six others before I, I really did believe something strange was going on. We had one up north where we believed the animal was paralyzed and was alive when it was being mutilated. An eye and an ear, the uh, tongue, the rectal area was taken out but the animal dug a hole with its head, but none of the other parts of the body moved. This uh, cattle mutilation uh, conspiracy has always sort of troubled me because I always think like, why would a bunch of aliens need cows asses, right? I mean, think about it. Like they, they traveled through the stars. They, they, they've gotten light years from their home planets and they've come here to earth. And what do they want? They want cow's assholes for some reason. They want the cow asses. It, I, I don't know. Let's get back to this. Not even the legs. He sits north of town on a very hard pasture, almost like hard brick. We found tripod marks 12 inches across. By the tripod marks were 14 feet apart. We found one set that had gone in the ground roughly eight inches. And it would take a good post hole digger or, or shovel to dig in like this. It indicated something very heavy had set down. Animals to humans yet. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna go pay. I don't I don't want to play twelve minutes of uh, uh, or you minutes of that. Agree with that? Uh, I there have been some humans. It's it's a very very sensitive subject. Uh, I'm gonna steer away from that. But uh, I will tell you that uh, since the beginning of this year, there have been uh, over 200 animal mutilations on Long Island. It's uh, supposedly a big secret. I know that there's four major law enforcement investigations, uh, investigators uh, working in plain clothes. On Long Island, <laughs> Long Island Sorry, Long Island, uh, Long Island, dimensional babe. Investigator uh, working with us who's sending us videotape. Uh, uh, and keeping us informed of what's going on. So it, it still is a problem. And you say it's food. That's what they're doing. <clears throat> well, food or genetic experiments, uh, take your choice. Now, uh, it hasn't gone maybe to the point of where they're mutilating humans, but you do believe there are abductions. 
And uh, and you also believe that at one point there may have been some kind of a clash between American military forces and uh, these UFOs. That's one of the stories. Uh, when we began to discover what I call the Grand Deception uh, was in 1979, and apparently there was some kind of clash. Uh, 1983 is the date that I call that we finally recognized that we had made a disastrous mistake. And here again, we are going to see reference to an accepted part of UFO mythology, the deal brokered between the aliens and the United States government. And uh, that's when MJ-12 realized that they were in deep, deep trouble. They had made uh, a deal with these people and it had not uh, worked out. And now the question was what to do. You got about a minute left. Um... What would you like to say to people out there to prepare them for it? Now, you've made allusions a couple of times when I've had you on the program that uh, something is coming. We've heard that before, something is coming. Why do you think something is coming, what's coming, and how should we get ready for it? There's really no way to get ready for it. The reason I think it's coming is because I have contacts within the government that uh, tell me that they're bracing themselves for something, but they're not going to tell us about it. Again, uh, another... Another one of those uh, sort of amusing parts of listening back to this ancient interview uh, is, you know, disclosure's coming. I've got high-level contacts in the government, and uh, they're telling me that everybody better get ready because there is a bomb that's dropping. This disclosure's got to come. They realize they can't keep it any longer from the American public. They're acclimating us to get ready for it. We're going to get the truth. Again, this is 1987. Does does that sound familiar to anybody else that's within the sound of my voice? George, maybe the cover-up was in our best interest. Maybe not. Maybe the government underestimated the intelligence of the American people and decided we just couldn't handle it. But let me tell you this. The truth is still the truth, and nothing can change that. Not the military, not the government, and not me. John Lear, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to have you here, and I'm sure we'll have you back again. Thank you. Thank you as well. See you next week with more of On the Record. <laughs> oh, classic George Knapp. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would uh, like to publicly ask George Knapp if he will please, please, God, release all of this. Every bit of the John Lear interviews, not just clips. Uh, I'm sure just for history's sake that people, and for uh, the benefit of other researchers, people would like to see them in, in full. Um, I don't know if they're available in full elsewhere. 
If anybody has them, email me at truthseekershow at gmail.com. I want to thank Al Warrior for a kind and generous $3 super chat donation to the show. Says, what's up, Stephen? I'm doing good, Al Warrior. Uh, thank you for your kindness, your generosity, and your support of the show. Much, much appreciated. And uh, and what can I tell you? Uh, we want to thank all the kind and generous benefactors because they help us uh, continue the show going. And by praising the cash with us, you help keep the journey going, friends. Praise the cash. This is Trixie at the exclusive Truth Seekers UFO desk. And I like nothing more than getting down on my knees and praising the cash. Every time you donate, I'm going to get down on my knees and praise the cash. Praise the cash. Praise the cash. Thank you uh, for your generosity and your support of the show. People have been asking where Trixie's been at lately. Uh, she got drunk and forgot that she had a job with us here. So uh, um, we're sending her to rehab and sobering her up, and then we're going to try it again. Okay? What can I do? Good help is hard to find. This is what happens when you hire out-of-work strippers. Okay. Uh, so I've got more for you. And I also wanted to invite anybody who has some thoughts on John Lear to come here tonight and we could just have a discussion. Um, there's really, uh, there's another famous video that's ancient that I wanted to share with you. And this one was recorded in 1989 as John Lear was out with Bob Lazar looking for those flying saucer tests in and around Area 51. I would later find out that the so-called evidence for uh, their witnessing flying saucers was pretty weak at best. They were 12 miles away from the base, and they filmed essentially what is a light in the sky, um, which could be anything. But John Lear claimed that he had a Celestron telescope with him, and he honed in on the object, and sure enough, it was a saucer-shaped flying saucer, just like Bob Lazar had said. Uh, whether you believe that or not, it is, it's, it's really your decision. Uh, this is John Lear and Bob Lazar at Groom Lake. And again, we are uh, citing fair use. This is a transformative work. We are educating the public about the now-departed he passed away last week, aviation pioneer and godfather of conspiracy land, John Lear. Let's get into it, friends. Good evening. This is John Lear, and today is March 22nd, 1989. We're standing just about uh, eight miles to east of Blue Lake, Nevada, the super government uh, secret test site. And just a few minutes ago, we saw one of the government... Uh, extraterrestrial UFOs fly over there. Uh, we all watched it for about uh, seven or eight minutes. Right here I have my Celestron scope. Uh, it's eight uh, inches. And I had uh, I had it focused in for about 15 seconds and saw for myself that in fact it was a disc. <clears throat> We're going to uh, stay here for another couple hours here to see if we can show you folks uh, an actual uh, extraterrestrial flying saucer being uh, flown by the government. So if you just stand by and uh, over that mountain, which is 
where they are. They also come over here, which is over in Baldwin. There's some lights over there, which you can't see, but there are a number of trucks. We don't know whether they're looking down here or <clears throat> what they're doing up there, but we managed to get in here. Uh, we're standing on public land. It's uh, completely where we are. And if you'd like to uh, come here later in the show, we'll tell you exactly how to get in. Well, you can mention who's with you, John. Uh, we have Bob Lazard, and we have uh, Jackie uh, Lazard, Bob's wife, and we have Gene Huff. And this mission was organized tonight uh, by Bob Lazard, who is a, uh, a uh, theoretical physicist who works at Crew Lane. <laughs> <laughs> and is also a dead man. At this point. <laughs> We're having good luck. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm happy. You want your name on there that you're yeah. Well, there's a piece of history, friends. This is shortly before Bob Lazar came out with his incredible story uh, to George Knapp. Interesting bit of history. Uh, and for those unaware, Gene Huff was the other person. It was really the three of them that pushed this story. It was John Lear, Bob Lazar, and Gene Huff. Uh, Gene Huff would later go on to write the Bob Lazar screenplay, the Hollywood screenplay, which never got picked up. And Gene Huff was also partners with Bob Lazar on selling those VHS tapes, and I believe may have been partners with him on the Testers Model Corporation, Area 51 Sport Model Flying Saucer Model money deal. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know... Most famous, I believe that, that John Lear today especially is most famous for the Bob Lazar case and his involvement in that. But uh, it's interesting that John Lear was around uh, spitting conspiracies before, uh, pretty long before Bob Lazar, and continued in his uh, love of conspiracies and discussions about conspiracies. You know, besides, this has been already and a whole lot to digest of things that John Lear has said uh, throughout his conspiracy land run. Uh, but later, I think he got wilder and wilder because it started out um, a bit more serious and grounded uh, in, I don't think you could call it reality, but, uh, you know, it was a little bit more serious and grounded, okay? The government has the secret base. Aliens have crash landed. We made these deals with the aliens. And, you know, there's a secret base where we're working on their technology, even their bodies. And there's a conspiracy to cover it up. And there's this MJ-12 group. Um, later, John Lear, like I said, he just got wilder and wilder. Um, I remember, you know, he started with this uh, conspiracy that the moon has got 100,000 people living on it, on the dark side of the moon, of course. And that's all being covered up and kept from us. Uh, and then it was something about maybe it was Saturn is completely and totally Earth-like and habitable and is, uh, you know, uh, got a population of hundreds of thousands of human-like beings, but they are from Saturn. Um it gets wilder and wilder. I, I found in more recent interview, and I thought for the for the context here, we've seen the beginnings. Uh, we can see further down his uh, rabbit hole, further down his rabbit hole journey, 
through some of the more recent interviews. Let's get into it, friends. And why is the problem? Because people are, uh, when you say hologram, they're thinking of a Walt Disney little pixie dancing around in a little um, uh, darkness area. Uh, that's all they know about holograms. They don't know that 20 years ago, uh, we could project a hologram uh, with uh, heat, uh, noise, light, speed, anything we wanted, anywhere. And uh, <clears throat> we use that on 9-11. Uh, Right now, the television industry is ready uh, to bring out uh, television uh, quality programs that you can put right on your desk. And you have a little <clears throat> little thing here. It, you can raise it up like this. I mean, you can enlarge it. Uh, you can bring it down to small. You can move it over there. You can move it over there, wherever you want. And it looks just like, and you can stand all around it and see from all sides. <clears throat> and uh, the Japanese... Uh, a year ago, announced that not only do they have that, but they uh, they have it. Um, uh, they have touchy feely 3D holograms that you can touch it. Uh, Ten years ago, they invited uh, <clears throat> 30 of the uh, top TV uh, industrials producers and stuff. And uh, similar to that, they took them into a uh, small theater uh, that accommodated about 40 or 50 people and sat them down. And they said the future of television normal light like that the lights didn't go out and the guy comes from behind the curtain he looked uh maybe uh well over 60 uh white hair uh glasses uh when he started talking is obviously uh eastern european uh, with an accent <clears throat> he started talking about uh the tv how the uh the uh, tubes were initially made the cathode grade tubes and uh, how it developed into this and that and so on. And it, as he's talking, he gets off the podium, walks up one aisle, down that aisle, looks at the audience, takes off his glasses, cleans them, walks up one aisle, down another aisle, gets back up on the podium. Everybody, by about this time, everybody's getting bored of stuff they've already heard. And he says, uh, well, um, I want to thank you very much. And then just turned him off like that in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so uh john lear is here apparently telling a story of a uh, real life technology uh, that can project a lifelike realistic hologram of a person that was convincing enough to fool everyone and then turned off um i'm not aware of any technology like that that actually exists today and uh, this is uh supposedly technology that he saw demonstrated in the 1990s. Uh, but this is not to say that this is not the case. I believe that, uh, you know, there is some form of government, uh, let's just call it a technological rift. There is a technical lob, I believe that there is a huge technological rift between rich, powerful, elite ruling class and the rest of us peasants. So. Uh, maybe who knows it's just like what you're saying but this is what they can do but they can't bring it in right now because it's too close to 9-11 people are going to associate you know when they were yelling at john lear you know five years ago saying this was possible and saying it's impossible there has to be a screen there has to be a crackdown there has to be something we can project it on you know it's bullshit they don't know what's going on or how things develop so john i'm disturbed what i mean you 
There we go. That guy was disturbed. Uh, and and here, Coast to Coast AM just posted an, an audio tribute, which was an interview uh, between John Lear and George Knapp on Area 51. We'll play a little bit of that. And uh, welcome 4x4CB, who says, hi to you all here in uh, England. Just joined, so I'm watching from the start of Stephen's talk, 36 minutes back. Sorry to hear about John Lear. He's been part of the furniture for years. Yeah, that's how I felt when I... He's just been in it forever, you know. Uh, interesting, interesting. I, you know, listen, I, I disagreed with him most of the time, but I don't know why. I guess because I grew up with the Bob Lazar story, I still always would tune in and listen to what, what he was going to say. And part of that was like, what kind of crazy stuff is John Lear talking about on this interview? Because like I said, it gets pretty wild. Like um, he also advocated the uh, moon is an artificial structure conspiracy theory, as well as, you know, structures on the moon and uh, more. Let's see. Yeah, we're almost hitting an hour. So actually, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to go on over to the live chat. You know, Bear with me one moment while I do this. Uh, I got to go to the actual YouTube live chat to put this StreamYard invitation in. So what I'm going to do is uh, invite anybody that would like to join the show. Join the show or call in through StreamYard. And I have put the invitation to join the show in the live chat. Uh, maybe we can have a bit of a discussion. Gufan is here and said he died again. No, uh, that's the first time. Uh, yeah, no one's flower said he came out with such wild stuff. Yes, he did. I'm monitoring live chat a little bit. Uh, Toady UK says it's dangerous with that mofo Richie around. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think John Lear would have a crack-up laugh. And, you know, uh, by all accounts, a fun guy to hang out with. Uh, I think that he would uh, he would have a laugh with us, right? I think he would have a laugh with us. So I have put the uh, invitation to join the show into the live chat. One second. Uh, okay, I found a... You know, we're going to skip the George Knapp interview because it's on Bob Lazar and the same story that we've all heard 800 times, probably. But I did find a basis project interview with him, uh, with Miles Johnson, which I thought was interesting. And again, he gets pretty wild in this one. So let's get into it, friends. You're watching Truth Seekers, and we are tonight remembering aviation pioneer and conspiracy land fixture often called the godfather of conspiracy, John Lear. This is a transformative work, and we're educating the public. This, again, is from the Basis Project here in his lair, part two. Okay, during the break, uh, John, you referred to seeing a black shadow figure only a few minutes last night sometime. Could you 
mention that because this is important. well i didn't know it was a black shadow until you just told me what yeah. they look like but what happened is i closed the refrigerator door and i was walking back in here and over by the um the uh, patio door i saw a big black thing maybe seven feet tall and it was black and i looked over like that and there was nothing there and i just you know flipped it off <laughs> you mentioned that's what I, but that's exactly what I saw because I tried to make sense of it. I tried to look and see what made something black over there because, you know, you always see weird stuff around and I couldn't see anything that would have made that black. So and the important thing to remember folks is that uh, when you turn your head to look at it, that's when you don't see it. You only see it out of the edges of your peripheral vision. Yeah. So you've got to look with that in, in mind. And this is important because watching this interview, this is John Lear, of course, in his what people called his lair. He had this big den and it was just filled with audio and visual equipment and files and photographs of UFOs and pictures and tape decks and VHS stuff and <laughs> monitors. And um, it's kind of funny to see his because I'm building a similar nightmare here, I think. I've got all these different computers and uh, weird stuff uh, all around me. Maybe it's just the nature of men to surround themselves with their, you know, fun toys. A lot of the cases in England are coming up with this, including people who make their crop circles. So maybe that might explain why you're losing stuff. My mind? No, no, you know, you haven't lost that. You lost okay. that years ago. Everybody's, everybody Marbles? lost it. <laughs> <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We finished part one talking about aliens and stuff. What about the Bob Lazar wonderful years with oh. George Knapp oh, on those great. times? That was good fun. Tell yeah, us about that, that. That was a lot of fun. Well, it all started when uh, I gave a lecture in the um, um, in the early part of 1988 at the Spring Valley Library and it created such a, a hoopla here in Las Vegas people were calling me writing me it was driving merrily nuts you had never seen anything like this before <clears throat> and the people were ringing the phone off the hook but it ended up by she changed our phone numbers and took all my files and hid them and told me that I couldn't do that anymore. So this guy calls up, his name's Gene Huff, and he says, um, uh, I'd like to uh, get a copy of all your tapes and papers and everything. And I said, Gene, I, my wife has shut me down. I can't do it. But uh, 
He says, well, no problem. He said, if you ever get a chance, um, I'll be happy to pay for it. Or if you want an appraisal, I'm an appraiser. And at, just at that time, uh, I was looking for a second mortgage on the house, needed appraisal. So I said, okay, let's do that I'll for my appraisal. So and he but, came over to do the appraisal and uh, he brought a guy with him to hold the end of the tape, the measuring tape. And the guy's name was Bob Lazar. And just to, just to interject here, so Gene Huff, who would become Bob Lazar's partner in selling the Bob Lazar story for a time, uh, went to John Lear and he wanted copies of all his VHS tapes of UFO footage and uh, all of his materials, his pictures. He wanted copies of the UFO pictures that John had. And interestingly, included in all of John's material was all of the Billy Meyer material. And I always found it incredibly suspect that just a few months after Gene Huff and Bob Lazar got a hold of all of John Lear's uh, photos, including the, the Billy Meyer photos, suddenly Bob Lazar was working on uh, an alien spaceship that looked exactly like Billy Meyer's beam ship. And so they first came in and they sat down there and Gene and I were talking about UFOs and, and this and that case and that case. and. Oh, I see we have our first panel member there. I see you there, John. John, uh, let's bring you in here. There, John. John, are you there? Commando, commando. Uh, okay. Yes, my brother. Do you have something to add to the conversation? All right, guess not. This is the uh, problem when you uh, just put the live chat or just put the invitation right in the live chat. But we're going to do that again in case anybody else wants to chime in. Uh, I think some people may never have done this sort of thing and they don't really know what to say, maybe. I don't know. But once in a while, we get one of those. Okay, so I'm going to put it right into the live chat invitation to join the live show. And the only requirement we have is no nudity, okay? No nudity. And the fact that I have to say that will tell you everything about our show here. But yeah, no nudity. You'll need a webcam and a microphone. Oh, we've got Bobby Dogstone is here. Greetings, Bobby. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Is there an echo going on? Just for you. Because you don't have headphones. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, well, I, okay. I've got to cut the uh, audio off from a stream yard. I'm not sure how to do that. Actually. Uh, no, no. You probably have this the uh, the show playing in the background. Don't exit out of Streamyard, but exit out of YouTube. Oh, okay. I got gotcha, yeah, gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah I haven't um, I haven't seen you in a while, Bobby. How you doing? Yeah, it's been a while. I'm drinking a little less now, so. <laughs> But, oh, yeah. that's right. I forgot. But <laughs> yeah. Bobby Dogstone, uh, please make sure you have questions or something good to share. Yes, Bobby Dogstone is the guy who fell over drunk on our one special. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Did you just start drinking or have you been drinking for a while? I, I've, been, I've been drinking for a long time, man. Uh, no, today. I've been, Bobby, oh, today. Oh, oh today. today. Yeah, today. just about, yes. yeah, only about two hours ago. I'm good. So, 
<laughs> All right, because we're trying what? to get the over under on whether we could you're gonna fall over drunk. No, again. no, I'm, I'm good. I, you're, I'm, you're you're just starting to get the load on, I'm so you good. should be I'm fine. Good. I'm right? good. You're gonna yeah, be okay. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, but you know, I was kind of thinking. I mean, uh, it seems like when Bob Lazar came up, and it's like, oh, here's this guy. He loves UFOs, and he's talking about all this stuff. Uh, and then they get all this stuff, so they're gonna like use them later, right? Yeah, yeah. It seemed it seems suspicious to me that you know you look at Bob Lazar's uh, you know sport model, and you look at Billy Meyer's beam ship. And they look exactly alike. And here in this interview we're playing right now is John Lear talking about how he was giving all of his pictures and everything to Gene Huff just a right. few months before they come out with the story. You know? And, and it's Billy Myers very convenient. in there. Yeah. Yes, um, it's so. very convenient. I mean, and he's the son of the Lear Jet Corporation. That's mm -hmm. military. I mean, also I was kind of thinking. Uh, yeah, and you I mean, know what else? Uh, his... His dad, I didn't know this uh, until recently because I was just doing some general background on him for today. But anyway, his dad invented a whole bunch of stuff besides the Learjet and hold, held all these patents. A-track tapes. Remember A-track tapes, those big honky A-track tapes, and people had A-track players? The Lear his, Corporation has his part of the dad invented. His oh, dad invented the A-track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kate Schneider is here. She says she missed the falling over drunk stream. So could you do it again for Kate? <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah, I'll, honey. Yeah, I'll, probably, I'll, I'll probably get there by the end of the night. So, you know. No, let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's try to stay professional here yeah, with Bobby yeah, right, exactly. yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna put the uh I'm gonna put the invitation to the live chat in the in the or I'm gonna put the invitation to join the show into the live chat one more time here. If I can find it. Oh, there we go. I mean, it's interesting the whole connection between Bob Lazar and the son of the from the Lear Corporation. He seems like somebody who just loves UFOs, and he's just somebody who's like kind of fantasy, you know, minded or oriented or whatever, you know. Yeah, you can tell he definitely had a passion for it. I mean, he spent so much of his time chasing these definitely. shadows, you know, yeah. and I, that's something that I can definitely uh, <laughs> sympathize with. I don't know, you know. He he really was all chips in on this thing, man. I mean, he could. I mean, in the George Knapp interview, I've seen that interview, and he, it's like you listen to the man, and he's like, you know, fluent, and he's part of a family that's the military industrial corporate, you know, complex, and he would know maybe. Yeah, but, you know, you were laying that's, out that he. Was that's one of the things. That's one of the things that would certainly lead to his credibility. First mm -hmm. of all. Uh, first of all, his dad invented the Lear jet, and you know, the whole yeah, his dad is amazing, and then he's part of the family. And then here we have here we have also that John Lear worked for the CIA for a time running flights, and he was totally completely respected in the world of aviation. He had all these certificates, he had flown like every kind of airplane you could fly while he was flying, like every kind of airplane. Yeah, I mean, so, that's, so that's not seems, somebody who's going to say very credible. Deep in, like an artist or something. And I see we have a, like UFOs, another right? panel member here. We have Julian Latour, which uh, I think you're a first time panel member. Welcome, Julian. Hello, Mr. Tufiker. <laughs> you got a you got an echo. I guess you don't have headphones. Oh, Let me see. Uh, why do I have to press the thing there? 
yeah let me see if i can just put now echo i have echo canceling on yeah just lower your uh the, the stream that's playing back oh there we go you're good yeah there we go there we go perfect yeah I, and you know it doesn't bother me too much but it bothers the audio files here who will blast me in the comments and go what, what what's with all the echo i wanted to listen but i couldn't and you know Hey, hey, a webcam and a built-in microphone on your laptop. That's the best. That's it, man. Yeah, so what What do you have? What, uh, Julian, what, what's your <laughs> thoughts on John Lear? Yeah, I think this guy is, is kind of the uh, the foundation of all this field. As, mm -hmm. you, said at, as you said at the first of, the, um, of your show, you were, like, impressed by the time. Just, like, saying things about all those things that are, are still making, uh, like, news today. And that's <laughs> and it's all came from John Lear in 1987. But exactly. of course, he he had his own sources, and there was other people what? telling similar do, do stories. Know, do you just kind of regurgitating what he's already heard and pressing it? Yeah, that's true. No, nobody that's ever asked him about his sources. I mean, this guy would come today, and we would be smashed down. Citations needed. It's like, yeah, <laughs> citations <laughs> definitely yeah. needed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that all of you're right. All of the same stories are making news and cycling back around. It's all one big time exactly. loop here. Yeah, the Nordic, everything. I mean, yeah, interesting. I'm not sure what's left in this. Uh, we can play a little bit more of this. Basis Maybe project. because you got like this credibility at first. I mean, there was yeah because I, yeah he was a credible guy. He was yeah. he was a yeah. really well respected more. guy. I, I mean, I mean, he was somebody who could fly a jet. So you're not somebody. This is not somebody you wouldn't think of somebody like that as fantasy prone. He could fly a jet. He flew an airplane, but yet he's got this other part of the. He held many yeah. speed records in the world of aviation for a while too. He was always oh. trying to, you know, go faster yeah. than everybody else, and he had access to that kind of jet technology before most people would have from the private sector you know? i'm just wondering maybe i mean with i'm invoking mk ultra here and he was the son of somebody in the corporation they maybe he was kind of groomed to believe this stuff i don't know or to leak this information yeah a lot of people think psyop welcome lord ludicrous plaid is here hey man i wonder doing? what made him what made him in the first time come in the field it's probably not because george george not asked for him like what why he came and first time in the yeah field. why is he doing this this might yeah question. you know yeah. yeah one thing that i thought sometimes is that he was really into like this this uh bleeding edge aviation technology and and what's more bleeding edge than alien flying devices he was totally obsessed with flying machines so I often thought that maybe it was a progression, like he's interested in flying machines, he's interested in the highest tech jets and rockets that we have and space planes. And the, and it seems almost natural maybe that the progression goes to now we're going to be interested in alien technology that may already be here or may have crashed and I want to know about it, you know? Did you, uh, did you cover the part where he's talking about those... Uh... Not Legion on Mars, but there's like supposed to be like people. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we didn't really play parts of him, but it's it's 
it's well known that he yeah it's well known that he has said there's a hundred thousand people living on the moon there's a hundred thousand people living on saturn and you know mars i don't know if it was the moon i heard he might have been mars too yeah he was he was buddies with rich hoagland who who believed all kinds of stuff about mars i remember richard hoagland and the uh five-pointed mountains and the faces and everything and it makes this geometrical yeah yeah that was mostly horseshit <laughs> we all know it was mostly horseshit now lord ludicrous get in here yeah. what do you yeah, think say, uh, well wasn't lear the, like the first one to capture stealth bomber on camera i think he was one of them he, he was had one a of picture, the first ones. Yeah. i don't know yeah, if he took he, it or if somebody got it for him or gave it to him or but he right, was but pushing he was, it yeah he was pushing it he was the one pushing it in the area 51 stuff so I, I think he was the first Paul Benowitz, except he just never gave up. You know, like Paul had family and stuff to try to help. I think he just truly believed everything that he was told. Yeah. Because he wanted to believe, you know, maybe he's seen some crazy stuff out there being tested and whatnot. And, you know, they, they gave him the Paul Benowitz uh, treatment. Well, maybe like Richard Doty did that one guy, too. I mean. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, because he... This is like it's like two big balls together. It's gonna, it's for sure gonna create something. You know, it's like not a coincidence that those two people met somewhere. I think it's not. It's definitely not a coincidence. Well, like you were telling, I mean, Bob Lazar was the contractor that held the uh, uh, the the measuring tape when George Knapp came over or whatever. I think that that's when the plan came together was when those three met. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, it was those you know, four. It was going to be four. We have George Knapp, Bob Lazar, Gene Huff, and, yeah. and John Lear. Yeah, all, yeah. And I the think they all, they all worked together to push this story. George Knapp, of course, was the media end of it. Bob Lazar was the actor, uh, yep. you know, pimp playing the, playing the scientist that never was. That's so maybe it was movie. orchestrated to be the perfect storm. Here we go. It's John Lear guy. He he, he loves did all this. Came, He's bashing, you know. Did John well, they had his credibility also? I mean, he worked yeah. for the CIA and he flew cocaine for the CIA. I mean, oh, yeah. he flew all kinds of test jets. I mean, he was a badass pilot. He used to, towards his later years, would go on these long rants about how the government was trying to kill him by not letting him get his pain medication and stuff because he was involved in like 16 plane crashes or something crazy like that and survived sure. all of them um it was all beat all to hell i mean you know he was beat to pieces yeah, i mean so he was knee deep in that whole the military industrial uh, psyop world and shit. i mean you know so he saw it firsthand flying cocaine for the cia <laughs> <laughs> That's what people said. Allegedly. Allegedly. I think he, I think he said it. I don't think he did, <laughs> but let's just go with allegedly. So allegedly, get, yeah. yeah. We yeah. said a lot of allegedly. things. <laughs> Julian, where are you from? I'm from uh, Quebec. Quebec. Okay. I yeah. thought you were from France, but yeah, the, you guys you guys up there decided to speak in French was a good idea. I was thinking, man, I was thinking uh, because uh, he said so many things right at the at the start of the show. Um, did he came before Linda Moulton Howe with this concept of cattle mutilation? No, she was first with that. I oh, believe. she was first with that? Yeah, okay. he was just kind of running with what she was talking about because that was the big thing. 
that was the big cattle mutilations was the big story and roswell the resurgence of roswell in the late 80s i believe was the two big stories in conspiracy land on and all crop those circles on all crop those circles. Crop circles. about cattle mutilation on those shoulder i think that i've never heard nobody talking about bird like bird just going down on taking meat oh, and birds that. just dying yeah oh yeah there's been a lot of weird conspiracies about the bird flocks that you see will just fall or people you know there'd be a whole All beach, a bunch ocean of damn beach. birds fall out of the damn sky out of the hill of there were thousands be that died of recently in mexico a few months back i think it's chemtrails myself but yeah it's the interdimensionals they were crisscrossing the sky the other day at my store it was oh man <laughs> um, for those uh, just joining us, you're watching Truth Seekers. We're doing a, a sort of remembering John Lear, aviation historian and godfather of conspiracy, who recently passed away. Uh, we welcome everyone who wants to come into the show tonight to come and not just watch it, not just listen, but come and actually be a part of the show so i'm putting the invitation to join the show in the live chat uh all are welcome no nudity yes i have to say that it's ridiculous that i have to say that but don't show up naked with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, my God. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't oh, make it on sorry, your show? Sorry. <laughs> they didn't make it they didn't make it they didn't make it but let's just say if i wasn't real uh and and the other thing is that wasn't fair because i i have a paralyzed eye so i'm visually impaired and i just remember looking on the screen and i'm like that's a dick that's some dude's dick and i'm looking at it and i'm going and i was just about to add him to the show and Did you had something to say man <laughs> somebody's and i don't know i don't remember because i kicked him out i don't know if it was somebody live web with a webcam on their penis or oh, if it was God. a guy who put their oh, picture God. to be a that's dick, usually a, a problem you have with the meagle chat you shouldn't have it on the dick. youtube yeah it's always man you wonder why <laughs> <laughs> We've got some dicks that come here to our show, but one time I think we had a real dick. Uh, but yeah, so I have to say that. Please, no, uh, no nudity. YouTube doesn't like it, obviously, right? I'm going to put the join the show invite in again. Yeah, but Lear was definitely at the forefront of what we know today. That's yeah, I was sure. I was just amused listening to these ancient interviews going. It was like check marks, you know, like Roswell, yeah. aliens crash at Roswell, check. We're back engineering the, the uh, technology we recovered from that, check. There's aliens inside a secret base being interviewed, check, you know. <laughs> the Greys, check. The Nordics, check, about, check. I forgot yeah. about his... Uh... Is hologram 9/11 theory? I, I would, 
I'd completely forgot about that until you just. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. for those unaware, John 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 Lear is the originator, I believe. I try to trace it. Oh, oh, there's stories of the first. Oh, oh, they saw it. He is the originator. John Lear is also the originator of saying that no, no, it was a controlled demolition, and the planes that people saw in the sky were projected holograms uh, designed to fool us into thinking a plane hit the. The building when in have, fact it have was you a heard about range. the theory that it was like uh, a weapon from outer space energy guided energy yeah death ray Te- that comes from tesla's death ray oh yeah. who's that uh That's judy with, uh, it's a jewish yeah judy something yeah yeah, yeah i read judy. all about that marjorie taylor green space i mean lasers. when you watch the buildings fall it's like <laughs> yeah it Looks, sounds Looks like a controlled demolition to me, yeah. but I, I don't, I'm not a. I always held my tongue it, it on, on most well, 9 because I'm, that. I'm no expert. That. It's definitely that. It's definitely that. Well, who knows? You know, but it's interesting who that knows? he was involved in those conspiracies as well. Yeah, he was. You know? he definitely was. And with some of the heaviest hitters. Thanks, today, Six Senses. You know, kindly sharing the link that anybody can use to join the show. You'll need a webcam and uh, hopefully headphones and a microphone. Uh, it's web browser based, so you don't need any software like Skype or or uh, Zoom or anything. You just click on the link that we give you, and it pulls you here into our studio where we can add you to the show. And all are welcome. Just no nudity, please. <laughs> You know, uh, the one regret that I have is that uh, towards the end of his life, a lot of people don't know this too, but uh, John Lear maybe was starting to get critical of Bob Lazar. Uh, And I think he felt, I can't speak for him, obviously won't try to, but I've heard there's rumors that he felt cut out of that documentary by Jeremy Corbell. Like he got, you know, he should have been included or something. And then Bob Lazar's book, he ripped it apart on Facebook and said, Bob Lazar didn't write this book. It had to be written by a ghostwriter or not Bob Lazar because too many of the details are completely, totally wrong. That's interesting. And, you know, I wish that he would have talked more about his thoughts on Bob Lazar, whether he still believed the story or whether he believed maybe he got hoodwinked. Who knows? You know, it just always seemed funny to me that Bob Lazar comes out with a story Remember, John Lear is in these George Knapp interviews saying there's this secret base on Groom Lake where they're, you know, testing the aliens, uh, testing the flying saucers. And then Bob Lazar suddenly meets him and he's working at that place. It it all seems it all seems way too convenient to me, you know, but I don't know if John Lear was an active. I never understood whether John Lear was just a believing kind of person and they just used him to, to bolster the story because they knew I he would believe it. it. I think that's it. Or he I was an active participant. Who knows? I know that Bob Lazar, uh, Bob Lazar at, uh, um, at first was inspired to create that story. And uh, it was a story by, uh, written by uh, two Russians, if I recall. I forgot the uh, the source, the, uh, the the name of that story, but I know that the people will know what I what I'm talking about. But they just changed the narrative there, and uh, it's pr- basically the same story, but he put the um, uh, he had more in the story, and that's why it seems like fake and real at the same time because it was a real story at first. But Bob Lazar took it and 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 had something more. So, yeah, and that's what we see. We see a pattern of that of that take accepted mythology that people already believe, and then add a little bit to it for your story. You yeah, know? 
I think Bob Lazar was a silent artist. Happens to look that John Lear was just kind of a believer. It was, yeah, it was but a Bob's story. A Bob's yeah. story, the only things that were real was there was an Area 51 base and there were Janet flights. <laughs> yeah. And the S4 was a radar shack. Yeah, at Tonopah yeah. Test Range. And, yes. Even Chris Mellon said he was a janitor out there. Yeah, someday I've got. As gotta, far as Bob I've, goes, so, someday I'm gonna get up off my butt and actually write out a lot of this, the source material that I believe that Bob Lazar used to compile or to cobble together the story because it's out there, you know. Yeah, it's a patchwork. Yeah. It's a patchwork of different things, I think. Even with the movie, yes. it wasn't well, well, like you yeah, said, like I mean, they use, they use the existing mythology of ufology and just add to it and make sure yeah. it's consistent with the existing mythology and just add to it and so more quilts on it yeah it was a tapestry of uh of of mythology and stories and you know and it, it is interesting it reminds me of this like you know what if somebody tells you a story and then you later tell it to your friends even if you don't mean to you might add some bits or change it a little bit right <laughs> You know, and then and then what if that that then your friend goes and tells the story? He may add to it a little bit in recounting it, or it's it's like that game you played when you were kids. You know, telephone. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the line. Uh, yeah, that's exactly telephone. what some of this is. It's like the game of telephone when you were ten. You know, exactly that. Oh, and here he is. We sobered him up. We got him. Uh, we got him here. Six senses here. <laughs> I, I didn't think you were sober tonight. Or almost. Or, yeah. Ninety-five percent sober. Hey, uh, so far, six cents. Yeah. The, the show's going good. Bobby Dogstone hasn't fallen over drunk yeah, I haven't yet. Fallen over yet. Yeah, not one time. He has not hilarious. fallen over drunk one I'm time. Stable man. We're gonna call him Bobby. We're gonna call him Bobby Drunkstone. <laughs> Dude, that was perfect. hilarious though. Perfect, it's like, oh, shit. Perfect. I forgot to clip that. Six design. We have to find yeah, that show. I, I forgot to clip that. Yeah, I got it clipped somewhere. I, I couldn't. I was yeah, yeah. It so you gotta, you gotta send it to right. me. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember I yelled and screamed. I'm like, "Great, somebody's falling over drunk on the goddamn yeah. show, Bobby Dogstone." <laughs> I felt bad about that ever since I did. I'm like, "Oh, should I click? Oh, should I click?" Uh, okay, I'm, I'm sober. I'm good. I'll click. I'll. I'm cool. Tap. I think we threw you out. We're like, yeah, that's it. Tap out. Once, once you fall over drunk on a live on the live show, I it's time to, to go just... to bed. It's time yeah. to go to bed. That's it. Yo, uh, Stephen. Honestly, lately, this uh, time in the field. Let's say we go back to the telephone thing. What's happening in this field right now? Nothing. I think there is nothing for like. So <laughs> yeah, you're starting to get a hint of that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah me it's too. Like we're turning in a circle and in a circle, and I wonder why we're chasing, gonna end now. We're chasing we're shadows, chasing. we're chasing our tail, and nothing ever happens. Oh, At least yeah. nothing you significant. You know, I, I'm, I'm just wondering funny? if the cycle hasn't made it around to us yet, you know? So it's like, you know, you know how they do it. One passes on to the other, passes on to the other, passes on to the other. You know, it's grifter, 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 the whole line. So maybe it just didn't make it around, back around yeah. to us because... Oh, I mean, check, there, out there is a... check out this. Check out this. Ron from Cosmic Neighbors is here. Find... <laughs> hey, Ron. I What's know up? him, up, and, and he's got to be sober. So I'm I'm excited because we got oh, at I least am. one sober panel member tonight. <laughs> and, and Ron, I got I got some good news for you. 
I want to thank you for the 3D printer. I tried it. I messed around oh, with it cool. a little bit. And I just bought a big one. A really? big one. Yes. I, what, did I, you get an Ender or a uh, Mega reality? something? I got the Mega something. It can print 12-inch stuff. Good, good, good. That's a nice size. Yeah, you can print out some twelve-inch. Uh, uh, yeah, I just I made this guy. <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah, I just made this yeah. one. So yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I actually I I haven't ordered it yet, but I've decided I'm get you know I'm getting it the well, bigger one. Well, the thing I, is, the one I sent you that was um that's a mini one, and it's a non-heated yeah, yeah. Oh, bed. Oh no, it was it's a non-heated bed. It was something bed, so. to learn a little bit more about it. Do I want to invest in a good one? And I appreciate that because yeah. w once I played with the one you sent me, I had no trouble making the decision to invest a little bit in a good one. Let me tell you, know, you what you can do one. now. Now, what you can do, because what I did with, I have a bunch of 3D printers. Yeah, this is the problem it. I'm worried about. No, Everybody no, no. I know that gets into this, they've got a, no, 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 no. a table is, with eight of them. This, <laughs> is what you, this is what you should do. So take the little one I sent you, once you get the big one, and order a, you can swap out the print head and put in a laser module so you could do laser engraving. Engraving. Oh, I would like that. Yeah. Burning on wood and stuff. I would love that. Yep. Oh, we'll oh, talk right. about will... that. What is your thoughts on John Lear and his recent passing? Well, you know, not for nothing, he was an icon. The, the thing that gets me is, I, like, there was a lot of people really disrespectful over that man because I guess his involvement with, or entanglement with Bob Lazar, you know, but that guy with all his inventions and everything, like, he, he was a very impressive person. You know, yeah. um, he was a very but, accomplished man besides conspiracy land. And you know what? Land. Up to when he passed, like last week, I didn't know that this whole time that he invented the eight track tape. No, that was his father, actually. Oh, was his father? Okay. I, I yeah. was like, whoa. But that like, but that's why his family was so wealthy because his father invented multiple different kinds of technology and had patents. <laughs> And so, you know, when you have patents, you sell off the rights to manufacture your devices, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's, um, it was, uh, I was shocked, you know, but, you know, we're, we're all here and we're all going to not be here at some point. But I was just listening to, um, I, I don't know everybody here, but I think it was Julian was just saying, and he's so right about, you know, when you hear everybody... It's like, give them, when they hear something, like they die for John Greenwald to drop a foyer so they can talk about something for a week. Then they have to go back to Roswell, right? The <laughs> Roswell keeps, that's the filler. Go back to Roswell. Then um, Elizondo will come in and just throw one extra word in. Now that gives oh. them another week of yeah. content. Now they can yeah. talk yeah. some more. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah, like this that. is the There's problem no, no, I have. Like, no, no people, people, uh, you know, they want me to cover nothing but UFOs, and I always say, I'm like, there's just not enough out there. I cover to talk asteroids. About this. I do a lot of the asteroids. Yeah, I saw you've been doing space coverage yeah, and even stuff Richard like that. Richard Jones is going fantasy. Yeah. No, Ron, Ron. <laughs> well, hey, Ron, is I, it, I, isn't I, that I, what I, he I, is—a fantasy? <laughs> What's that six cents? I mean, see, I, that's if it wasn't for Steven's show, I was like, man, I really respected Richard Dolan because this guy's going back. He's a historian. He's like looking this up. He's like, this is the documented. This is what it said in the newspaper. So, yeah, man, I believe him. But then when he's like, 
he didn't even research the DD two fourteen of the guy that was you know death and, and, and then dismissed it like nah, the DD two fourteen. I was in the out. damn army. I got a damn DD two fourteen fucking team. Yeah, Goddamn but he was... when he said that, oh, I'll make a statement if I'm and then like just dismissed it and laughed about it. And you know yeah. why? Because he knows just like the Elizondos and all of them. Oh, that just their so groupies are going to stick up for them Howell, and stay. How asked me to? That's why. And one at a time. One at a time. One person's talking. Let him finish, sorry, Bobby. 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 Bobby's he's already he's getting into the look. Bobby, you're getting into the drunk zone already. Basically, Wait. what it is, what it is, ahead, is bro. that these guys like the the Dolans and that they know no matter what they're gonna have a group that's gonna stick with them through thick and thin. So they know it'll just like it's like. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. It'll just blow over, and they're going to keep their fans. So that's why they keep doing it. If they're normal, like uh, like raw fans, their groupies start dropping off and saying, look, I had enough of you, you would start seeing him apologize and saying things. But until that time comes, he, ain't, he doesn't care. Just like, yeah. just like that uh, Greer. I, I tell you, I used to follow Greer and respected him, but yesterday I was so annoyed that he has some announcement he's going to do on Saturday. So it was set up like an interview. And this woman <laughs> asked him a question, 13 seconds, and then he talks for 30 minutes. It yeah. was like he made a commercial. That's all it was. Yeah. It was a commercial. <laughs> we're going to annoy him. We're going gonna, is that, to, is that this past week? I think? It was, I just watched it last night. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to cover that. I have it on my list here. So uh, I got about, I got about 17 emails telling me you got to well, see this shit. He's supposed to do the thing this Saturday. So if you want to do it, try to get it in the next day or so if you want. But the thing is, just pay attention in the beginning of the video. Yeah, woman. I remember. I thought, it's the same setup. He did this once before. I thought she was. He a had a woman come to his house that works for him, interview him, which is so hokey, but okay. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I why don't you just go live and, and but, communicate what you want? You need to fake but, it that it's some kind of interview? But Steve, yeah. she, I, I actually went back to the beginning because once I figured out it was a commercial, right? <laughs> when I went back, 13 <laughs> seconds. She speaks for 13 seconds and then he just rails off. <laughs> like that. Like that. Oh, oh I, I'm hey, looking forward to that shit. Six, I am going to listen to that tonight. You, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, six, six, a, you were going to say something to me before. Yeah, I had a question um, for you there. I mean, I'm going to assume that you're pretty adept with the 3D printing. And is that yeah. the, okay? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard? Of meta materials being used to do 3D print, much like uh, <laughs> these fraudsters are doing. You know, they're saying I could build a. Could, do you think that you could build a a workable UFO using one of those 3D printers? That that's good. That's going to withstand, you know, what it, the extremities of, first of whatever of all, that. First of all, just to to meta material, the vacuum of space itself. Okay, like it's no. No, there's no material right, unless to... unless there's a black op and they have some materials that I don't know about that they can use. But you have to remember what people tend to forget. Not only that is the vacuum of space. 
I think it's something like minus a few hundred friggin' degrees up there, like that. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So, like and, and exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we there are materials that they've come up with new filaments, but like flexible filaments that you could like it's very pliable and everything. They have ones that are it's okay. called wood, but nothing like that, bud. No. Okay, so 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 given what's currently available, at least to the general consumer, because are these people any special that they can get these super meta materials? Is there anything that you can get right now, you know, commercially or even industrially, you know, through 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 those means that could build something like that? Not that In I know, opinion. because like no, because the thing is this: it's the extreme of space. All right, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you have to put it this it's way. Hell. Yeah. So, like, let's just use Mount Everest as an example, right? <laughs> most of these, like, let's just say for the three D printing stuff, like we were talking about, yeah. most of the yeah, stuff you that you would bring and bring up there would crack the in your hands from the cold. Like that, because all we're printing out is plastic. Yeah, and I just saw, and some is better than others. I just saw a guy reviewing a 3D printer, and he was talking about the shittiest 3D printing reel or material that it's he called ever filament. got. Yeah, it's filament. Yeah, filament. And, and he showed, he goes, you know what the problem with this is? And he squeezed it a little bit, and the whole thing just was so bitter or so brittle, it just fell you know, apart you in know, his hands. You know yeah. what happens with filament? It's very prone to, it absorbs moisture, right? And when it absorbs moisture, uh, it dries up and it cracks. That's why uh, when you buy it, you want to try to use it as soon as you can. And if you're not going to use it right away, you want to make sure you put it in plastic. I put those little, I yeah. never remember the name, Seal you know, the little it, yeah. salt packs. Like, I forgot what they come in the shoe boxes. The yeah, little... that stuff that keeps moisture down. Yeah. Yes, I put yeah, it in so there. Yeah. Thank you. And I put it in the bags and I store it. And I've been lucky so far because it absorbs any moisture. Yeah, but, it maintains the moisture. And, and right? one thing is too, Steve, and anybody out there that's 3D prints, when you're 3D printing, try your best when you're done, unless you're going to print the very next day, do not leave the filament loaded. And then figure the next time you're going to use it, you yeah, because you get that will drip, dry up the drip on you. Edge and the dry edge. No, yeah. it'll dry up on oh, you. Dry, it yeah. will. It'll dry up on you, and then you'll be in the middle of a print, and then you'll hear a noise. And when you go out there, your print head is just moving, but it broke off like an hour ago. You know. Yeah, what okay, I mean? so, figure, figure this then. Given a big enough machine, obviously, you know, 3D printer. Do you think you can even build a conventional aircraft? Never, never mind some super. Special I think they're going to do yes, it. Yes, you can. No, no, I no. I think they're going to do it. Soon. Wait. You think it's strong aside, enough? Aside from materials that can deal with the extreme, but like okay. physical wise, absolutely. First of all, um, they they're building houses with 3D printers. What they're doing yeah. is they're building them in segments. Part, yeah, that, like, that's on, yeah, I know it. That's on a very large scale. I understand that, but I mean, the detail required for a, for an aircraft would be no. It, there's be no way. There's nope. no way. No way. I we can't lost, see that. We lost Bobby Dogstone. Maybe he tapped out. Oh drunk. shit! He fell yeah. off the planet. Nah, Bobby Dogstone. Refill. Well, well, see, that's what that's why I'm questioning whether you know is, is it even possible? You know, I'd love to get into that kind of stuff and what they're gonna but, be. There's you, just know, sign. you can look online. There's companies that are figuring out how to 3D print houses right now. Yeah, I've seen so that. If, if yeah. they can 3D print a house, they're gonna figure out airplanes, helicopters, they, all they kinds will. of stuff. And like what they use a lot is like like the CNC routers, right? <laughs> so like like I have a CNC router, and you know, yeah, you could cut metals with that. 
and, and all that stuff. You could carve up some good stuff with that. But if you're talking about like a 3D printer that right. actually yeah. pulls yeah. in a material and melts it out, right? Yeah, just think about just think about that, right? Yeah. So my thing when I print out, um, it's usually my nozzle is printing out at around 210 to 215 Celsius. All right. That's right, what that's right. the that's the print the the melt point is around 195 to 200 degrees Celsius. Now, as soon as it comes out and hits the bed within about 3 seconds, that's rock hard already is dried up. Like that. Okay. So that's well within parameters. I mean, that uh, 200 ends up being uh oh, hold but, on. But that's here. heat. That's heat though. That's oh, not minus. Uh, uh, well, okay. Oh, the I'm point sorry. is, it's I, entirely I, possible I that they're soon going to be able to print. Well, well, I, I know this guy. I watch this. I, I watch electronic channels. That's that's actually what I'm subscribed to. Quite a quite a few of them. And there is this guy that has a 3D printer, and he prints up a working. Uh, well, he calls it a steam engine. You know, I mean, granted, look at the the parameters. I mean, if it's going to melt at uh, uh, what's that, 100 degrees Celsius. Why can't I type that well, in? Well, it depends because here's oh, the thing. Is. There's there's different ones, six cents. There's you have like this PLA filament. That one has the melting point like that. But you know your remote control, like a remote control that yeah. for your TV, that's right. printed on ABS. That's the smooth okay. plastic that has right. a higher melting point. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, let's get back so, to John Lear and uh yeah, Bobby sorry. Dogstone is back from his, his well, joke no, break. I, I just had to uh, take care of something. Uh, well that's why I mentioned it because you know <laughs> if, if if he can build a working motor motor, you know, steam engine, obviously the, the people have that, people have apparently 3D printed uh, turbine engines. You yeah, so why could you, you do, that, do for, that? It's just that the plastic itself will you could print the chassis and everything like that but they would definitely need a coating or something to prevent it from the extremes like do you uh, think do you think john lear would test drive test fly that ship that you built on the 3d printer <laughs> i mean look at the things that he's he's tried you know i think he would yeah i think he would take some... uh -huh, i think he would but um I mean, there's there's a lot that's possible with it, but raw right out of the printer, no. Well, but, if there's something that I remember about him is is that he, you know, he he tried the most crazy machines that you could ever imagine. I mean, hey, you got that takes some balls, man. I mean, come on. Well, especially test takes, flying, especially test flying. Yeah, like, first first time. Yeah, you're like I'm gonna have to trust these engineers <laughs> that this exactly. thing ain't gonna fall apart oh as soon as God. I get it up in the um, air. Like, imagine that's how I remember. Imagine it. the person, like you know, of course they probably used rocks at first, but imagine the actual first person to use a parachute. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you talk about balls. <laughs> balls. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there's a there's a there's a tragic story about that, Ron. One of the guys, the guy who basically invented the parachute, he jumped off the Eiffel Tower to his death because it didn't open right. But later, people picked up his design and created the parachute. You know, the second person drew all over my story. I know. I just jizzed all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't, but I didn't know that. But I just wanted to say that. Uh, Go ahead, Bobby. Well, three uh, D printers, you could use those to make prototypes and then make molds to make metal molds. That that's the... what they're basically for. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about. 
I haven't been uh, run. I have not been that excited about any kind of techno toy in in a decade. So thank you for. I don't know. I just always went. Everybody that I knew that had them, it was earlier on, was yeah. like aggravated as hell by them, and I was just yeah. like, I'm going to skip that bunch of aggravation. Everybody I knew, they didn't work right. You always had to be messing with them. But now they seem much more reliable. But when they the second generation well, to come out. Which so yeah. year did they come? <laughs> which year did they come out? Well, I started. I don't know the exact years. year they started, but I know I started printing around five, maybe six years ago. But the thing is this oh, wow, that you okay. have to know, to this day, I still almost learn something new every time because it's going to take trial and error because it's actually an art. Yeah, get when all I those first, settings, get all I those settings dialed in, right? I thought I never knew nothing about it. I thought it was you load the filament. You find the 3D model and you click print and it'll print out. I didn't know there's leveling the bed, heating the bed up a certain temperature, making sure this, that, no breezes. And it there's a lot to learn. But once you get it and you're dialed in, man, let me tell yeah, you, like everything, all my wiring around here, they're all by clips I printed out. Like I made these like pliable clips that all my cable management's in them. And like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Ron, I saw, awesome. I just broke That's a cool. pair of headphones and I saw in the demo to the one that I want to buy that is a 12 inch printer, a guy made a headphone stand that goes on the edge of a, so you can make little things for yourself around yep. the house that you need. And yeah, it's yep. cool. Yep. Back, I mean, to, like back to John, here. we can talk about 3D printing for an hour and I'll get bitched at. <laughs> uh, so, doing a low. <laughs> it, it, what was people living on Mars? I mean, that's pe what was really most thing. interesting to me is <laughs> this old these old interviews and seeing how much of conspiracy land came from John Lear and how little has changed. It's it's like people just took his stories and amplified them or added to them. You know? Yeah. Or well, isn't that always the case? You know, somebody seeds it. You know, like uh, the Epic Times or, or the uh, what? What is that? The Epic Times. Yeah. They'll seed it, and then everybody else from there on will go ahead and go from there. So it, it's got to start from somebody dropping the seed initially, anyways. I, I yeah. saw Corbell on Fox. Or it Fox seems News to be talking about it. That new that new paper that came out, fifteen hundred page, you know, from the tabloid. And they mm -hmm. were running this stuff about people getting random pregnancies from aliens and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to see what our twenty-two million dollars got us because apparently they're oh, citing yeah. the National Enquirer and Penthouse Magazine as sources yeah. for the twenty-two yeah. million dollars. Did you see they got for those reports? And, and, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan and, freaked and everybody out because he tweeted. He tweeted out or sent an Instagram today saying I'm pregnant. He said I'm pregnant, yeah. <laughs> and everybody that flipped where, that, that Well, that, that was to where there was a rumor going around that he died. Somebody created an account that looked just like his facility account and tweeted oh, out gosh. that he peacefully passed away and all that stuff. So his response was, I'm pregnant. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which is classic. That's great. Does he yeah. get paternity leave? But no, I mean they were on, on Fox talking about the, these, transportation uh, the radar burns, the pregnancies, the sexual uh, miscuities, whatever people banging aliens, all on Fox, and then they would pan to Corbell, and then it's oh. Corbell. <laughs> you know, like he's a the authority on everything. I've, I've since got, he met John uh, George Knapp. They're trying to report that, that that dynamic that they had with. They them. are. I think that's what they're doing. They're like trying to recreate, re reshape that dynamic. And he's trying the to the news. George knows he doesn't have that many years left, so he's got a 
his protege is yeah exactly mentor. He's, he's, he's my mentor he's my mentor george now he's my mentor they're cashing in right now who they're cashing in for, for the last time maybe who's yeah. gonna replace linda who's up online to replace linda oh i have an yeah, idea but i don't want to say I know who sounds there, exactly yeah, like her. There I happens swear. to be somebody that sounds exactly like her that's, exactly. that's uh, getting all the help in the world from all the UFO celebrities. Uh, yeah. So, I know. Uh, yeah. Like the legacy, uh, yeah. And she believes anything, too. Montauk? Yeah. yeah. Come on in. Yeah. Philadelphia Experiment? Come on in. Yeah. You know, so, like, I didn't get no notification, which is unusual. I usually get them, and I don't know why I didn't get them this time, but... You know, I missed the whole first part of the show. And, and what I wanted to ask was, what do you think, you know, uh, was uh, John Lear's position? Because you did bring it up when I first come in. Do you think he was just, like, used by all these people? Or was he part of that? Or, no, or I maybe think, he didn't I, I, the I, end. I think, I think oh. that he had an intense and passionate interest in alternatives so. to, yeah. to reality. And, and, and all of us probably know this. It, it, it is like an escape from reality to go deep down these rabbit holes. And then, you know, if you start talking to actual government people who are telling you this stuff is true, you start feeling like you're in some secret club and you know the truth and everybody else is, you know, stupid. or well, getting that's pretty their, much what you know. it is. But well, do you think they would Doherty in him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Following yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, he was the first. First Paul. They saw what they could do with Lear, and then they moved on and did it to. Well, one thing I can say is that Lear and Bob Lazar put Area Fifty One on the map for sure. Most before those two, most people didn't even know what Area Fifty One was, so they popularized that. The knowledge of Area Fifty One being this super ultra secret base, and also the idea that they have alien technology in Area Fifty One. It all comes from John Lear yep. and Bob Lazar. Do you, do you notice how the story was seated there? It That's was seated because of the stealth bomber, because he was trying to release the first picture of the stealth bomber. Stephen and I were talking about it a minute ago, and it was whether he took it or he got it. And I think that they went in on him, and that's what happened. He got Benowitz, and but he just believed everything and ran with it and had the money to keep going. So they dirtied his water then. You know? Do you notice how yeah. Corbell transitioned from Lazar to Skinwalker? Yeah, and then and, and then yeah, from Squid Skinwalker, they talk about consciousness a little more. Everybody's going to consciousness, but oh, how, like them more about consciousness. Every that, that, yeah, all every, about is a new thing. Now. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything goes in cycles, and it's we'll when, be back. Don't worry, we'll be back to Bob Lazar soon. Once they when, manufacture some new bullshit, I mean, when evidence. science when science <laughs> it slaps them in the face, then they have to go to the next thing. Like uh, consciousness, because <laughs> you know that's something that science is still looking into and everything, and they right. don't have a definitive so answer. So that keeps the rabbit hole going because now there's no scientific answer on it. So see, now there's that's the, that's the way that I see. rejected scientists' conclusions and said, "Oh, I get another scientist that tells me what I want to hear." So. See that that's the way I look at John Lear and I, I remember just, just him being a test pilot and that's my strongest memories. Granted, look at that is provable, provable physics, right? That he actually did this stuff, that this craft did this such and such a speed at such and such a G and did a turn at a and, and repeatable. You know, that's all right. So mm-hmm. so that's why I'm asking, you know, I mean, how can I you remember. take somebody that that has done this stuff and is dedicated to this and 
got nerve to even do it in the first place, you know, and do something that's actually provable to go all of a sudden to something that's consciousness or something that's just out of this world that you can't prove at all. Yeah, he's doing remote viewing. You got to you got to throw in remote viewing sometimes. Yeah. Honestly, Maybe I don't really imagination, you know, but the user's credibility. It's more simple for the people. Call it imagination. Yeah. You know, you can It's like as it's like Einstein see, said, he says, he says, uh, imagination is worth more than, than uh, knowledge because it, without imagination, how are you supposed to, you know, be able to, to achieve that knowledge in the first place? And, 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 things and, it's and right, find out. It's a circle. Right. Once they hit here, then they start. It comes and it keeps going around and around. Yeah. And 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 it's like these people that prolong this stuff, right? I'm gonna say. You know, like this cat that I really could give a crap about. This, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Elizondo guy. The Elizondo guy, right? So when, when I when I paid attention to him in the beginning to hear what he had to say, but then when I realized it was the same thing over and over. Yes. But then when you notice what he does is he notices record. that that's it. So he'll add. I'll we'll throw something a new little in. Tidbit. Yeah. A nugget. They call them nuggets. But, but it's all the same. He just uses a different like uh, acronym or something like that or whatever. And and it makes it sound like he just added something, but he just changed the word. Wait, what did he just tell and us? That's what, what he, he does. And the no, the true believers have a defense. They go, well, you, I know he said the same thing that he always says on this new interview, <laughs> but there's a few nuggets in there if yeah. you listen carefully. I respect the man Lou. Of course, did I respect the man. But he's an actor. But did you? I, did I can you respect see? the man. But I can. Can I say that he's an actor? He's a butt actor. Yeah. But he's he's a bad actor, but he's an actor. Did you see? Did you? Him and his breadcrumbs. Did you see? Did you see? Breadcrumbs. That's another one. Yeah. He's kind of. He's kind of talking about. Oh, how's your grandmother? How's your? He was being interviewed. You know, Come on, Bobby I will get at least 500 extra views if you fall over drunk. Okay, not that I'm encouraging drunken behavior on my show, but. Did you? I just want to finish on this on that guy. Yeah, Ron, go ahead. Go back to Korea, but you remember right, right. that that show that is those three people has that guy is called Rather. Um, there's the guy UCR. with the thing guy with it. Yes, that he was yeah, in. UCR. He was on there a week or so ago, and mm -hmm. I seen this clip where he's talking about that his book has to. It's being vetted or something by the government, and he's like. He goes, well, oh, yeah. if they tell, if they say there's certain things that got to be left out, then you know why are they leaving that out? And that guy rather comes out and says, yeah, but how will we know what was left out? Yeah, and Lou goes, next question, no, please. Yeah, so here's, yeah, here's, yeah, yeah, like that. here's here's how this works. Trust me, dude. Trust me. Yeah, yeah he on, just man. put a dumb face on and went like, next question, please. Like that. And they man. moved right yeah. on. Yeah, this man's trying to collect data. They're all upset that hundreds of billions of dollars were wasted on radar that's being beat by modified drones from Walmart. 
<laughs> and, and none of them and none of them want to be held accountable dude they sure as hell want to get in on the cash the grab for the new for the new uh technology there's a threat the narrative of course that's the cia that's it, threat it. narrative we need that more funding we that's need more part funding of the, for, the, for the for the threat that's in the skies yes and our radar is useless so we need 300 billion dollars to to do new sensors and radars to detect these threats that's another good yeah, that's, man, if you got, look we at that we got Rubber decks yeah, flying in ten times of fish all a week, and I mean, come on, but I mean, it's beat, and it's that's how they're using the UAP thing. Well, think about they this. Don't want to be embarrassed. Look at the report that they came out Not with. 30, Remember that John Greenwald just he released that one that was the classified version of it that it was all redacted. He did a video on it last week. The report, whether it's the classified or the public version, just go to the very last sentence. It says it all. Says additional funding, and that's, that's <laughs> all it's about. That's in the last <laughs> sentence. They need, we need some more funding. money so that we can cite Penthouse Magazine as a source and the National Enquirer. This is what makes some of this stuff laughable to me. And and, and sometimes you just uh, gotta laugh. You know, like what what is this? Because for years they were pumping yep, up this, yep, yep. these base reports, and we spent twenty two million dollars and Bigelow and his crack team, including Elizondo. They, they generate these reports and they studied this phenomenon. And then you get to the meat of it. Oh, they studied this phenomenon by reading Penthouse magazine articles about people banging aliens. They studied the phenomenon by, you know, uh, reading tabloid newspapers and including tabloid newspapers in government reports that us idiot taxpayers paid them $22 million to do. Amazing. Well, and think about it, though. Everybody making this thing, they keep bringing up the 22 million. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, taxpayer dollars, but that's nothing. It's a drop I mean, in the bucket. They, really. A couple of trillion dollars was lost just before 9 11, and nobody talks about that. See, trillion. Ron, when, 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 they, when he goes yeah. ahead and he says something like, um, uh, so if they block this, then you know that this is true. That's him stuffing a joker underneath the up and up his sleeve. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's all that is. That's like saying, just in case, you know, I, it doesn't come out like I would planned. Ask him I always one have a backup plan. I would love to ask him one question before his book or whatever. I would love to just ask, Mr. Elizondo, do you break your NDA in your book? Yeah. And here's the other thing. What, what other person gets the title of whistleblower? That it doesn't want to break the NDA, right? You know, like Snowden didn't go. I'm a whistleblower, but I've got an NDA, so I'm going to just dance around this shit for three years, and then uh, get a book deal, and then get a movie deal. And but I'm still dancing around my NDA. No, a real whistleblower just goes. Here's what I got. This is what our government is lying to you about. Boom, and then there's consequences. The only consequence is Lou Elizondo has gotten is a fatter <laughs> bank account, and it's about to get fatter when all these dummies buy yep. a book full of what I'm predicting will be nothing burgers. That's my prediction. It, that's I'm why wrong, I would I'm ask him about his NBA. And bet he will be involved in this new stuff with the Gillibrand Amendment. The only reason that stuff got in the bill was because it was a projected surplus. Hell, $813 billion for 2023. We're not in a freaking war. It's gone up every year. 
slot in a UFO program that'll study whatever. But See, but not, now, they now they're all that. whistleblowers. How are they all of a sudden whistleblowers? Whistleblowers with no consequences. And then they can contract people out and they can do data collection for drones that are flying by. You know, oh, I but think that's UFO. Take they already do that. When you listen you know, to I mean, him, you got to register that. When you listen to him, like when he did the TTSA or was doing whatever, when he's talking about ATIP, Notice how he he doesn't like when he says UAP. Everybody ex says thinks UAP equals aliens. No, it just means automatically um, um, air like an unidentified aerial friggin' that, object. Yeah. They just named it UAP because that's the UFO thing. has a big stigma on it, so they don't want to call it UFO. People right. think aliens. Right. Yeah, I mean, who, and that's a, even with a strange recon, he, he's a veteran. He was in some special stuff and, and he looks at it like that. He, he breaks down a lot of the terminology and stuff. And how it doesn't mean that it's aliens. Steven, you can't just jump right to it. I just sent you a PDF, right? Yeah. It's a long PDF, but uh, go to page 64. You know, with the whole. You're gonna give me homework? Come on, bro. No, no. no. <laughs> you, you know, with the drone swarm and all that. He's drunk, right? <laughs> you'll you'll see what what the these um these swarms of what they were. Because in the PDF from these naval documents, remember the splashdown? You'll mm -hmm. see yes. you'll see what it is. It's actually quad drones. Quad drones. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen this, but I will I will share it for the benefit yeah, it's of my that, that's what, yeah. I have this, this document. Yeah. And remember, remember that splashdown video. People argued endlessly that oh, it's gotta be aliens and this is why and all this nonsense. And then when we get to the truth of it, uh what we see is quad drones. Quadcopter drones. For real? I, I yeah. haven't seen or heard this. This is oh yeah. That's the, not surprising that that sounds about right. Yeah, I tried to rotate I figured a Mylar balloon. I figured it's some kind of a balloon with propellers you on it. What's weird is even though, <laughs> even though you know they're calling it UAP now, you know, with the with the grifters, they're still calling it UFO no matter what. And 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 of course that implies alien. I mean that's that's whenever you hear of UFO, you automatically think aliens. Immediately. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's, I mean, could, could our, you know, our young people of today think, uh, no, Stephen, you know, I have a question. What, what is a UAP? I don't know what a UAP is. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what they're good at. They're good at changing names, changing names and giving new definitions to things. And that's how they confuse everybody. But that's what UAP stands for so many different things. Because yeah, think about be it. When you see this anything. big craft in the sky, you're going to call that phenomena? Like that? What's right. what's phenomenal about it? Could it. literally be anything. <laughs> you know, when you call for your know, FOIA, like uh, Freedom of Information Act, something, and you ask and you wait for, let's see, I don't know, a month, week, or years, and years. you get, years. is it gonna be like all black, fucked up? A lot well, of it. Will you get like, <laughs> information? Yeah, it should be called the Freedom of What We Want You to Know About Act, because <laughs> it is a castrated. Look, I got a lot of well, respect for John, for that John up. from the Black Vault. He spends his whole life filing these requests exactly. and getting back nothing exactly. or waiting. They tell him, well, we'll get you that, but it's going to take us 16 years. Or yeah. not. It, the FOIA right, right. is a largely castrated. It should it, it should be reformed. See, hey, even, even he showed that, that on a previous release, they released the information, but on a later release, they redacted it. It's like, what? You already told us here. Why are you redacting it now? So I really am like questioning the credibility of those 
four-year things. I mean, well, they, they, <laughs> I, I got a, I, I had a four-year. By the way, two Sometimes things. Sometimes you Steven, get lucky and you can pull something out. Stephen, right? I, yeah. I emailed oh, you a picture uh, and I made it the right side up, so you don't have okay, to rotate sure. it in case you want to show them because before it was sideways. Um, but I recently, <laughs> I, I submitted a four-year in November asking the Navy like. Are you guys investigating like the leaking of these videos to Jeremy Corbell? Like, how come <laughs> you guys haven't made a statement? And they answered, "Nope, no investigation at all into those leaked videos, the ones that the Navy confirmed." Were and it would be a by crime. Navy personnel. Oh, if, that if, was, if, if those were classified, if those were classified videos, it would be a federal crime for somebody to leak them to Corbell. Right, because only so, people with special access. And of course, he's al he's always implying whether he says it or not that he's getting these top secret leaks. If it was top secret, he would get arrested. But for here's the thing: right. like you Poor see, Bell like these slides, it. right? You see how? Oh, um, by the way, you see that top picture, the middle. You know, you remember the splashdown like yes. that? Yeah, that looked familiar to you. You see the picture on the bottom right. Like all the swarms, that's what they are being swarmed with. There's a lot of. Uh, Tech being done with with Grunman, uh, Northrop, and all of them. They're testing all this anti-drone gear. How do you test all these anti-drone gear without drones? Right. You need <laughs> drones, and you need. How too. are you going to test anti-swarm drone swarm without a swarm point, yeah. of drones? How do you test? Oh, that? they they've done it years ago. They used to have these like. So uh, wasn't, wasn't just to be clear? Wasn't this splashdown video one of the Corbell? Drops. Yes. Yeah, was. so that's another one blown to shit. We've got the pyramid UFO one. That one was blown to shit and nothing special. Now we've got the splashdown video. This is blown to shit and it was nothing special. And here's Corbell doing the UFO shuffle. I'll just forget about all that shit that I dropped and I'll drop some new shit. And oh, he promised that he had a lot more yeah. to drop on that. Yeah, and it, after it, he, he dropped that, he dropped, yeah, he's like a full entertainer. Like he's on a mission. I'm an entertainer. I'm gonna show you things, and that's the, that's the deal. You know, that's the. I that's can't blame him for that. He's doing his work. He dropped you know? the flare and the gimbal and all that stuff back in 2007 on Reddit, and those videos were up on Reddit. I don't know that he dropped them. That somebody did those. Those two of those videos were old. No, he uh, takes the three he, that came he, to the gimbal, the Fleer, and those. He's famous five by for five news is here. Five by five news is here, and I just want to mention that uh, I, I mean, he's found... working on something right now for sure because we don't hear about him much lately, actually. You know? So of course, yeah. he's he shares five by five news. I, uh, five by five not news. I was uh, supposed to. I was supposed to connect with you, and I and uh, I got busy, so I'm. Uh, it's still on my list of things to do. So I'll look over your email and get back yeah, to you. Yeah, I go. I'll get back. Yeah, Frenchie had to go take a shit. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I no, mean, <laughs> Julian is uh, French Canadian. So, uh, but I'll still call him Frenchie from now on. I mean, this is how I remember people. So I, you know, we're we're past the two hour mark. If anybody has any final thoughts on John Lear, now's the time to chime in. I think we're going to wrap things up here. Yeah, I'm going to split out. I mean, he was an icon. Let him rest in peace. Yeah. And um, he's a man's name that should be spoke with with respect. That's it. That's all it is. Um, 
Anyway, thank you. I, I just haven't spoke to you for a while, Steve. I'm glad that you're. Yeah, I'll catch up with you off air. I'll, I'll catch that. up with you off air about and all that. Yeah, everybody, gotta... thank you so much. And I'll see you guys soon. All right. You could throw me out. All Steve. right. Hey, take it easy. All right. Thank you, Ron. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. Hey, ahead I'll and, see uh, you, man. Oh wait a minute, Bobby Dogstone. Uh, yeah. I just want to. I just want to yeah, take I'm a moment. Go. I just want to take a moment here. I'm gonna solo you. Okay. We're gonna. Right, we're, gonna right. we're gonna take a moment <laughs> to recognize. We're gonna take a moment to recognize that Bobby Drunkstone. I mean, B Dogstone. He was able to hold himself up through the entire show tonight without falling over drunk. <laughs> Yeah, big hand a, for Bobby yeah. Drunkstone. He made, he made it through. It. <laughs> you made it. You made it, Bobby Drunkstone. I'm proud of you. I'm proud right, of you. Thank you. Right? Joy, keep me up, yeah. man. Hey, love Sometimes thank all you. it takes is starting later. You know, <laughs> start later. Yeah, Don't start. Right. You're not allowed to start drinking eight hours before the show because that <laughs> shit doesn't work out for you when you yeah. come here like it that. Does okay? It doesn't. All right. All right, so thank you for your participation. You have a thank good you. night, and now you can fall over drunk all you want because you, you're not on the show. Now, right? Miss Style, brother, I love the work right. you're doing, brother. I'll thank you. Good night. All right, and then I'm we out. have. Hey, uh, I just, I just wanted. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Lord Lucas. You too, man. Good to see you. Great show. And tonight. thank you for your participation you and brother. for your contribution to the panel tonight. You have a great night. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. And we have a uh, Julian. It's only the it's only the two of us with the same the same shirt. It seems we're yeah. on the same team. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I pulled this thing out. I, 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 I had a I had a grubby shirt on, and I grabbed this, and I didn't even look. It's like I don't know something. I don't know. I took it. it must be like moment, beat up and old. <laughs> I look like a homeless man today. It's great. So uh, I want to thank you, Frenchie. I'm going to call you Frenchie now because you're French Canadian. And you look French. You got you, but get a beret next time, Frenchie. Right? Like, no, I'm just kidding. You you do look French though, with the hat and everything, and you got the accent going. Because I can good. fix my hair. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I'm cursed yeah. with my hair. I just have like. Some I know something about that. Hair. Somebody, somebody just gave me a Space Force hat, and I'm going to start doing that because then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but thank you for your uh, for coming here, first time panel member. You're welcome to uh, be a part of the show again. Thanks and, a lot. It was nice you. talking to you. You have a good evening. Take care, buddy. All right. And then there were two. The Sixth Sense chat room moderator, longtime show supporter. Thank you for jumping in here. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you that it happened. Um, that John Lear ended up getting caught up into this stuff. I mean, did, you know that that these grifters just take advantage of somebody that that did a lot for this world. Not just our country for for yeah. the world, you know, and, and then you got grifters going ahead and just, you know, either leading them astray later on in life or just taking it, you know, taking advantage of anything that he's ever said. So oh, that's you know, unfortunate. It, it, and you know what Jim Morrison once said: uh, "Did you live a good life enough to make a great movie out of?" Right. And and go. if you think about it, if you made a movie of John Lear's life, it would be a great oh, movie. Right. It would be yeah. an amazing movie. Well, and I I hope somebody makes that movie somewhere. Probably in the works. Because you right can talk now. about his CIA and flying cocaine missions or whatever. Right. The, the <laughs> Area 51 stuff. The, the That's later a full life. A full 9 11 life. conspiracies and being, he really was the fountain, uh, you know, the spring that fed so much of this thing that we have today. And I'm gonna yeah. miss him for that alone. 
yeah, yeah, he's done a lot, you know, and and I, and I always remember him as the as the crazy pilot, you know, the the one that would just try anything, and that's 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 how I remember him, and that's how I will remember him. So thanks a lot, there, Stephen. Um, All right, I, I'll catch y'all later there. We're going to bounce on out of here. Okay. Thank you, Six Sense, for yeah. coming in tonight and for all your help uh, moderating. He's our lead okay. chat room moderator. Thank, Thank you, you, Six Sense. Boy, what can I say, friends? Uh, it's bittersweet, you know, tonight. Uh, it was kind of fun to reminisce and remember. Uh, you know, I I remembered literally getting on the pre-internet, hunting for transcripts of uh, John Lear's information or interviews there would be these Phytonet Echo groups that would, you know, network all over the country together and share information. And it was so much more difficult to get conspiracy land material back then, but we would get these text files. And in some of these text files was stories from John Lear or things that he had said on interviews. And uh, growing up, I was into that kind of stuff. And uh, later, Bob Lazar text files and things like that. Um, to, but he was an amazing uh, human being. Uh, I kind of miss that every once in a while, somebody would send me a link and go, did you hear this interview John Lear just did? And he was talking about something crazy like, no, no, there's 100,000 people living on the moon and they have a hologram projector that hides it from us or something like that, you know. It just got wilder and wilder with him, uh, but I, I always admired and respected his at least his passion for this stuff. He was all chips in uh, on conspiracies, uh, and he loved them. He was passionate about them, and he spent much of his time, including his time in retirement. That's all he did is he sat around in that den of his uh, theorizing about conspiracies, I suppose. Uh, and he will be sadly missed by all in the conspiracy land community, uh, including me. So what else can I say, friends? Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining. Um, I also want to remind everybody that we now have memberships here on our channel. You'll see there is a, uh, there is a right on our main page. If you go to our main channel page, you will see there is now a join button. And the join button... Uh, will allow you to become a Praise the Cash member. You get loyalty badges next to your name in the comments and in the live chat. You get photos and status updates. I'm going to be doing photos of here in the studio. You get early access to new videos, member shoutouts, members only live chats. We will be starting. Uh, we You get priority reply to the comments. And I'm also going to throw in, it's not on the list of benefits, but I'm throwing in to anybody that becomes a Praise the Cash member here on YouTube, you'll get the Patreon benefits as well. Patreon is a uh, dollar a month or more, but I figured we should include those benefits so that I don't have to kind of do something for the praise the cash members and something different for the for the Patreon uh, supporters. It'll be all one extra bonus content. Um, I don't know. We're just going to put it all together. The, the Patreon benefits come with the joining our channel. Um, you get access to extra additional membership perks. We shout out if somebody becomes a member live while we're doing a live show, we shout out that they've become a member and thank them. Uh, we do read each and every single super chat. We also read each and every single PayPal donation. Um, and I just noticed that we have a beyond 
bright visions uh, sent us a kind and generous $5 PayPal donation. Uh, happy about the Elon Musk revelations, which I think is related to our tarot card reader who answered a question somebody had about whether Elon Musk will learn to bend time and space. And the, the psychic intuitive tarot card reader said he already has. Uh, so I guess they're happy about that. Send us a few bucks. Uh, yes. And six cents reminding everybody they can become a praise the cash member. Yes. Uh, you know, it really does warm my heart. There's people all over the world throwing a couple of bucks in our hat to keep us doing this great content. A few people have asked me about yesterday's show and why didn't, what happened? And, and honestly, it, it was a big mess. Uh, I asked uh, alien scientists to, to have a talk, but he took that to mean I wanted to be a guest on his show, I think. I haven't talked to him yet about this whole situation. Um and so then I said, uh, are, you, are we still on for tomorrow? This was the day before yesterday. I said, are we still on for tomorrow? I'll make the graphics and I'll put the stream up. And he said, we're good. Make the graphics. I'll share it around. So I made the graphics. And somehow he took my graphics of him being a guest on my show and he put it on his show. So there was some kind of miscommunication. But I would have thought, I, I don't know. And then, uh, I, I don't know. He didn't show up to either stream either my stream or his stream. I was waiting for quite some time. I think I think it took him an hour and a half before he uh, showed up uh, or tweeted something about, uh, you know, miscommunication or something weird happened. He thought it was Pacific time zone. And I, I don't know. I, I thought he knew where I live. But uh, we're both on East Coast. But, you know, it is what it is. We'll try to reschedule it. And I'm upset about that because – I have so many people asking me what I think of Salvador Pius and the recent interview with Kurt from Theories of Everything. And, and I have my own thoughts on the, on, the, on the whole subject of Salvador Pius and the U.S. Navy UFO patents. However, uh, I'm not a physicist or an engineer. And some of these advanced physics concepts I'm vaguely familiar with, but I'm no expert. So I wanted to have a physicist or somebody with a physics degree like, Jer you know, Jeremy, alien scientist, to translate this for me. Is this a hoax? Is this misinformation, disinformation? Or is this real technology? And why are they letting it out in the form of these patents, which patents are public? If they really have this anti-gravity technology and free energy technology, why would they put it in a public patent and anybody can see, right? Um, I, I, I don't know. I was hoping that Jeremy and I, I was hoping I could get some clarity after talking to Jeremy because Jeremy can help me break down some of these advanced physics concepts in a, in a, in a much more educated and better way than I ever could. And I want to pick his brain and say like, it does this sound like this is working or workable technology. I have big questions about this because to me, I don't understand how you get a, how you get a patent without a working prototype. I thought you needed that, a working prototype. So my question is where if this technology is real and workable and you got patents for it, where is the prototypes? Can we see them? Can we uh, have independent scientists look at them and measure them, right? I mean, I, I don't understand the whole story. For a time, I thought that Salvador Pius was a figment of somebody's imagination. I didn't even think the guy was real. Uh, but then I found some pictures of him. I did find some background and history on him. 
I checked into him a little bit and found out, yes, he's a real person. But I still thought that these patents were, quite honestly, junk. I thought that was junk science. I thought it was science fiction. But I'm no physicist, and I have to uh, have to be careful in making. I don't want to research things by proclamation. I want to talk to an expert. If I if I if I am unclear on something, an expert can help me gain some clarity. So we were going to rely on alien scientists to help us do that. Um, you know, we'll try to reschedule, or if not him, we'll get some other nerd. I mean, physics guy, or you know, whatever. I'm a nerd too, so that's not an insult. Um, yeah, we'll get somebody else to look at these patents and help us try to understand it. Um, I, I, yeah, and uh, Five by Five News is in the live chat saying you have one year to make the prototype. It's been one year since those patents were made public. I don't, I still don't see a, a prototype Five by Five News. So that's where we're at. A lot of other things that I uh, would like to talk about, but I think we're over time as well. We're in 15 minutes into overtime tonight. So I have some other things to do tonight. I want to remind our Patreon supporters that I just put up a new Patreon video for a larger piece. I'm putting it together in pieces and releasing it piece by piece on Patreon. You can become a Patreon supporter and get early access to uh, that big report. It's called, Is This the Face of Bigfoot? Investigating the Todd Standing Story. Uh, and it's going to be a production video. I'm doing my best with it. We've got magicians illusionists uh, we've got a crypto guy a wildlife biologist and others looking at Todd Standing's Bigfoot alleged Bigfoot footage and and pictures and offering their opinions and uh, we've got quite a lot of information in this new project but we're putting it piece by piece on Patreon so if you want a backstage pass see it before uh, it's actually totally finished and made public here on the channel go sign up for our Patreon uh, and I appreciate each and every one of you. I also have uh, I have a few another bit to that uh, to that Bigfoot story, which I will be posting on Patreon later tonight. Uh, so I decided that I'm going to be giving a lot more. I'm going to be sharing a lot more things on Patreon. There's two reasons for that. The first is because you deserve it. Our Patreon here is a dollar a month, but it gives me enough. Uh, and, you know, if it was my decision to make or if, if I could just do this for free, I would. But, you know, every every, you know, show needs some money to keep going for equipment, for software, for bills, for whatever. I uh, I'm going to start giving a lot more to the Patreon supporters every month. Last month, uh, we did more for Patreon than we ever did this month. I'm going to try to top even that. I'm going to start sharing more. Because generally how I do things is to put together these production videos in pieces. Um, and then they'll sit on my hard drive until I get all the pieces done. And then I put them all together and make it public. But I'm going to stop. I'm going to start sharing every piece to Patreon. So it will be a, a really good way to see how things come together piece by piece. If you're that interested in what we do here, I appreciate it. And the Patreon money really is what pays our bills. I pay for our StreamYard, our Google Drive with it, our Spreaker charge every month. Whatever it is that we need generally comes out of the Patreon. So uh, we do appreciate your support. Carolyn Barnett is here, says, I'm a Patreon supporter. I will support any way I can. Well, we now have memberships, but if you're already a Patreon supporter, 
you'll see right on our channel now there's a join button and there's some benefits for that that are over and above the patreon benefits and we shout out when somebody becomes a member and uh you everybody will know when you're a member of the show here because it it will show in the live chat when you're here that you're a member and in the comments uh and thanks we've already had a bunch of people sign up for memberships i i was surprised um especially because there's generally no benefits there yet but there will be so uh that's where we're at the show continues to to grow and i'm i'm thankful for another stream of revenue every every buck helps it all goes in the same pot oh more good news i think i've done my taxes well i think my wife's done my taxes <laughs> i had to do some of it uh yeah so uh for anybody that doesn't know if you have a small business tax time is a nightmare <laughs> you know like i'm like going through stuff trying to figure out like what's this charge on my card that was that business related or was that personal and well now i'm actually pretty organized thanks to my wife and and most everything that goes on the the uh the, the business card here is you know expensive like if i go buy a pair of headphones or whatever but anyway tax time is a nightmare you i have to put together every penny that i spent for an entire year that's business related. And remember, it's not just this I do. I have other things that the business does. Um, I never intended this company that I formed, it's called Spectral International. I never intended it to be a, uh, a media company primarily. I intended a 20% slice of what the company did would be producing media uh, like this show. Uh, but then the pandemic hit and all other sources of revenue went to shit. So we adapted and overcame and started doing more of the content production side. And I have to say, I'm enjoying my time working on the business a lot more now. And it's been so far uh, pretty successful making that, uh, you know, adapting like that. Now there's, there's nothing to say that I won't go back to other things and slack off on this for a while. But right now, um, you know, I'm very pleased at the growth here and, and we're going to continue to be uh, what is now primarily a media production company. Um, but we still, I still have a few irons in the fire, right? Yes, Carolyn Barnett. Uh, I do, but my wife is a stickler. Carolyn Barnett is asking, you ever think about paying someone uh, to do it for you? I can only imagine what a nightmare it is. Yes, but you still have to give the person doing it all your expenses, all your income. And my wife is a, a payroll accountant, but uh, so she's a stickler with the spreadsheet and the dates and the time. And like my head's spinning because I'm like, I don't want to get in an argument with my wife over like what what was that dollar ninety nine purchase at Walmart that you're saying is business? I don't know. I think I needed push pins. Can I buy some push pins? Is that a write off? I don't know. I'm I'm not good at any of this. So I basically, Carolyn Burnett, I put all the expenses, and I put all the income. And then she figures out the rest. And then she takes it to somebody that files it. And yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at. And remember, too, that I spent 20 years in cubicle land doing accounting work. So when I have to do that stuff again, I start having like PTSD. I start having bad flashbacks being stuck in cubicles for 10 hours a day with spreadsheets and shit. And I get upset. <laughs> I do. I, I literally get I don't want to see. Uh. So anyway, 
I, I think I think we're done with the taxes, and it's still it's only the sixth. We have until the fifteenth to file it all. So I think we're good. So that's very good news. So what else can I say? I want to thank you all for joining us here, and and uh, you know I, I want to encourage you to take a moment uh, if you've been here, especially if you've been here in conspiracy land for a long time. And to take a moment, say a prayer if you're the praying type, or, you know, I don't know, meditate, send them some nice vibes. Um, if you're the praying type, say a prayer for John Lear and uh, thank him for what he brought us. Thank him for his interest. Thank him for his passion on this subject and uh, wish him well on his journey. I'm going to do that myself. I, I'm going to take a moment to have a moment of silence, raise my glass, and wish him well on his journey. There's a famous story. This is what I should close with. There is a famous story of John Lear talking to Art Bell. Now, Art Bell didn't get freaked out very often, but apparently um, John Lear told him that when you die, you shouldn't go into the light because that is a soul recycling machine on the moon. That's what you're seeing. You're supposed to go away from the light. Otherwise, you're going to get caught in this endless cycle of birth and rebirth. And Art Bell was very freaked out by that concept or that idea, apparently. I'm not sure if that's true. Don't go into the light. I'm not sure if John Lear remembered to not go into the light. I'm not sure if John Lear uh, did go into the light. But wherever he is... I, I hope that he gets he got all the answers to these really enduring mysteries that he always was spending his time and his energy and his passion and his life looking for. I hope he gets every answer. And, and I hope he is at peace and happy. That's all I got for you, friends. So I'm always happy when there's an audience. Thanks for coming here tonight and being a part of mine. Until next time, friends, my name is Stephen Cambion. Good night, and God bless all of you, especially you, John Lear. You'll be missed.